To Zero Prep Black Sky Legion episode. Uh, this is 99. Holy shit. Yeah, man. Wow. Uh, I'm your host, Kai Zen, and I am drinking some dragon's milk and enjoying this shit. I hope you guys are having a good time. With us tonight, we've got Ben Moss Woodward, Commander Edelweiss from Lave Radio. Say hi, Ben. Oh, wait, let me try to unmute you, and then we'll try take two. Say oh, hi, Ben. Should, should we try take two? Hi, Ben, again. And will you be just drinking the one dragon's milk, or will you be looking at two scripts by the end of the show? Um, Well, I have a couple dragon's milk, and I have a little bit of uh, bourbon whiskey, but I'm, I'm taking it light. I'm taking it light. I'm, I'm no, no slurring yet, so we'll see how it goes. What are you drinking tonight, Ben? At the moment, I'm on the coffee, but I do have some rum lined up for later. Nice. Very, very nice. Also, we've got Souverine, the man with the plan from Sagai Magazine and Cosmonaut. How you doing, Souf? What you drinking? I know you just had dinner with the wife. That's good stuff, yeah? Uh, I'm actually just on a coffee at the minute, although um, the night is young and there are plenty of options after that. I'm very well. I'm not too bad. I've had a great week and... Uh, I thought I might, given the theme of this evening, I thought I might try and play a bit of um, Alien Isolation, but I uh, quickly found out as, <laughs> um, over the last few seconds that actually that game really needs quite a lot of concentration. So I'm now playing Red Out, which is suitably mindless. Nice, nice. Very good, very good. Um, and how about we uh, also welcome uh, back uh, uh, Wolf Dragon. Yo, brother, how you doing? What you drinking? Hey, hey, uh, I'm being incredibly boring uh, on account of me screwing up my sleep schedule playing way too much No Man's Sky. <laughs> I have a monster chaotic, and as soon as I can look at the screen without having one half-open bloodshot eye, I'll switch over to something more tasty. Right on, right on. I know you got a, you're well-stocked with the, uh, with the uh, 6 and 20, so I know you're good to go. All right, so... We got a couple of things to discuss tonight. We're going to hit these quick. Everybody's going to present their stuff, and we're just going to, you know, talk in a nice, chill, relaxed manner. We're going to talk to you tonight about uh, the Independence Inspiration, rather, for mission, the new Foundation trailer, the New World Dev Diary, and some leaks and stuff that's coming up with that, the Nomansky Expedition 3 and Frontiers update. Star Citizen, Nine Tales, the Argo Cargos, Continuing Victories, and uh, the Wipe that's coming up, as well as Tharsis. So let's just hop right into it. Ben, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with the first video on your topic, and then uh, as soon as we're back from the video, take it away. Here we go. The reason I started SpaceX was to get humanity to Mars. We want to try to make the dream of space accessible to anyone and ultimately making science fiction not fiction forever. What they're about to do will change the game entirely. Four civilians are going to space. They will orbit the Earth for three days on their own. You know my dream is to 
of always wanting to go to space. I wanted to let you know that I got selected. They start telling me about this all-civilian mission to space. How many astronauts are going? And that's when she said, none. Haley was diagnosed with bone cancer. I haven't died, and I'm not going to die. Having cancer made me who I am. My dream is to be a nurse. I'm getting to show them what their life can look like after cancer. If I can do it, you can definitely do it. I went upstairs after the phone call, though, and told my wife, I think I'm going to ride a rocket. And she just, what? I don't think I'll think about the worldly impact this mission is going to have until Chris is back on the ground. I'm like, why would they choose me? Look at that. But my dad had instilled this idea in me that I could do anything. I'm commander of Inspiration 4. No matter what, I'm a father first. And that comes with a great deal of responsibility. What is the speed? We're 25 times the speed of sound, or 17 and a half thousand miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's getting real. Our mission to space had to serve a bigger purpose, which is why it's a $200 million fundraising campaign for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. There have been three black female American astronauts who have made it to space. I will be number four. Start thinking about what could happen and the risks that are involved. These people are you and me, and they will kick the doors open to space for the rest of us. This is where we're going to live for three days. Home sweet home. The reason I started SpaceX right. was to get humanity to Mars. Start by we're trying to make the dream of space accessible. I wanted to keep this going. Real quick, before Ben takes it off, I forgot in the intro, and I need to call it out. Uh, our new intro song, we're going to just have uh, our own personal-themed intro song and outro song from now on for, for the show. And that came courtesy of the beautiful fucking people at New Soul. That's N-U, Soul, S-O-U-L. They are uh, friends of ours, uh, some, like I said, beautiful people from the Soul Citizen community. Uh, you got Fist to Face uh, and his dad, Pops in Space, and, uh, and of course, friend of the show, Jade Star Watcher. Um, three beautiful people who uh, are, are part of an awesome Soul Citizens community. And uh, I wanted to say thank you for them making that custom intro, outro song for us. So, yeah. Um, real quick. Can you play it again? Can you play it again so we can just like sit back and appreciate it for a second? Oh, hell yeah. The, oh, the intro song? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Here we go. Oh, wrong one. like him on a Saturday night porn show. Uh, I have not spent that many 
Saturday nights at a porn show, but I'll take your word for it. Um, nor, nor have I, but it's like, it's like a cross between like the Saturday night sort of talk show kind of thing <clears throat> and American 70s porn. Well, I love it. Inter- I love it already. Interestingly, I feel like I'm in a high... I feel like I'm in a high-class bar sipping on a drink with just a really nice cigar. I don't know where the hell you're getting your shit from, Ben. Well, I think maybe it's just that's where your mind goes, and that's where his mind goes. I So I specifically asked for, and I gave them the vibe that I wanted, and the way that I mentioned it is I said, that you know that, cool. that very cool, well, actually, I said, you know that very cool guitar lick? That starts off the '70s show Barney Miller, where it's like doom, and and I was like, I want something like that, and then bring in whatever else you want, but I wanted to start with something that gives me that Barney Miller feel. And they were like, "All right, cool," and they came back and they were like, "Here you go," and I was like, "I love it." Uh, I love it. So, and it's, it's 22 seconds long. So instead of playing, you know, four minutes at the beginning and the end, this kind of just gets us in and out a lot quicker and and gets us to just shooting the (laughs) shit. And it's always important to get in and out quickly. There you go, Ben. There you go. All right. So now that we've covered the the opening song and I've given a huge shout out and everybody's uh, uh, sent some love to new soul uh, and to the soul citizens in general, uh, Ben, take it away on inspiration Four. So yeah, like Wolf Dragon, my sleep cycle's been kind of buggered up as well because I've spent basically all of, I think it was I think it was Thursday night. Um, I was up till about half past one, two in the morning, watching the launch of the Inspiration Four mission, and then last night I was up till about half two, three o'clock in the morning, watching them coming back down to Earth, and but you can tell these guys are amateurs, as it were, because like. You know, when you, you watch all the professional athletes... I was like, they're shit. <laughs> no! Wow. No, it's almost the exact opposite, actually. Like, you watch the professional astronauts, and they're like, they're going in, and they're doing their things, and then they're just sitting there. Whereas you watch these guys, and um, Chris Sambrosky, mm. who was in the seat nearest to the camera, and he's, like, bouncing up and down in his chair. He's swinging his legs. He's putting his hands on his mask and pulling it up and pushing it down and it's just like this guy is so palpably excited in the (laughs) run-up to the launch it's just like it's amazing to see um and then like they did oh spacex did something that i don't think we've ever seen in any of their their other two launches uh which was they showed us the crew on the way up um uphill no, and they've done that. They've done that actually for all their launches. They've sh- they haven't sh- they've shown us the crew once they're in orbit. I don't think they've shown us while they're like undergoing four five G as the the rocket is going woof. Oh yeah, yeah I, yeah. I've missed. Are in you fact, sure? that was a big thing because you were you you were in the cockpit and you saw and then when you saw them pass the terminus line where they go from you know, having gravitational effect and no gravitational effect. That's always the thing, because you're sitting there already watching and you wait to see what is going to be gonna... their zero-G indicator, which is, like, they bring up a, a, a dinosaur or a little, yeah. a, a little stuffed animal or something. That, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen them sort of going up in, like, the first stage part, but I could be wrong. Mm. Uh, and you could just... Ev- everybody's faces were these humongous grins. Mm. 
of it was just like sheer joy. I think it was, like Haley, all the way from the other side of the cockpit, you could see Haley just like grinning her face off. Oh, I, Haley's um, Haley's a little space monkey. I love her. They, like through the whole I, I thing, she's fl- turning around and flipping upside down, and she's just being a five year old. And I thought that was great. I, I think was well, they called her a G monster. I think it is in yep. the Netflix thing, and then her her handle was Nova or something like that. I think it was. Yeah. Um and. I don't know her, obviously, but from what we've seen of her, that does not surprise me. And I mean, it seems she is. It seems like she is like, holy shit, give me more. Such an inspirational um, story. Yeah, absolutely. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, ironically enough, I mean, it's Chris is the one who I can obviously represent. Um, re- represent not represent who that's I fine. can identify with the best. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because uh, you know he he's like he, he's not super fit. He's in his 40s. He's a dad. He's a family man. I'm like, yeah, okay, if I lost a few pounds, I could do. I could be him. Mm. Really? Because um, I would have thought you'd have been like Ruby Rod screaming on the way up. Oh, I would be Ruby Rod screaming on the way up, but I could also, you know, he's closer to me than, you know, than sort of like a 29-year-old woman is. Dude, I would be Ruby Rod screaming the whole way up out of excitement. If they literally said, we would let you be on the next four of this, like the one of those, oh, but yeah. when you come back, we're going to chop off your pinky, I'd be like, fuck it, I don't need that. Uh, let's go. I'm Put me like, up. Chop off my whole fucking leg. I I'd, don't care. I'd be so excited to go up there. I would be screaming just <laughs> out of like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, and I, what I loved almost the most was while they're waiting to come back down to Earth. You know, this guy's busy watching probably one of the best sci-fi films ever, and he's just busy. He's watching Spaceballs on his tablet. Mm. You know, they're two minutes away from a deorbit burn, and this guy's watching Spaceballs. That's fucking genius. Love it. Uh, SpaceX are doing... Um, the, the way that SpaceX have turned space travel into consumer entertainment is remarkable. It's, it's, one of the, yeah. it's, it's one of the most interesting things about the private space flight sort of revolution mm. that um, isn't really remarked upon a lot, I think. Mm. I, yeah, I mean... People have always watched the, um, like the NASA landings, and st- the NASA launches since, yeah. the, since the 60s or whatever, but I don't think, I don't think it's been in the same, same way. Like, the, SpaceX, the way SpaceX do it, it's kind of, the people talk about it in the same way that we, they talk about, like, the latest episode of like reality TV or something. It's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah. me of a uh, line from the Apollo 13 movie when the major networks decided to not air. Yeah, um, watching. No, nobody watching, and they described it. Yeah, you make it about as exciting as a trip to Pittsburgh. It's like they've yeah. avoided that, and honestly, they need to from yeah. here on out because yeah. Completely. You gotta, you gotta be, you know, inspirational uh, yeah, to yeah, people. Exactly. You, you have to keep them engaged, and they're doing a magnificent yeah, I mean, this, this, job of it. Totally. Although saying this, as I discovered something the other week, actually, that there are people on the internet who will watch a bus traveling from London to Manchester. Yeah. And I'm, I was like, what the actual f? And it is literally just like somebody's pointed a GoPro or something like that out of the front of the bus window 
and it's recording the bus going from London to Manchester, and that's all it is. Hey. And people sit down and watch this. Hey. I, I don't hey. understand. People on their way to Colonia need entertainment too. So watch, <laughs> watch what we're gonna watch. Watch what we're gonna I'm, be talking next. I'm just teasing. I'm yeah, just playing. This, this is a love. This is a lovely segue into maybe <clears throat> you know, read an audio book. Read no, so, listen to an audio book. Yes, you know, couple possibly something by Isaac Asimov. Couple couple quick points before we move on. Um, it's easy to overlook some stuff, and I I think it should be called out. Number one, no disrespect to Richard Branson. No disrespect to Jeff Bezos. What they both did were interesting and cool in their own right and also part of the story. But this is a different situation. Richard Branson took up a group of people in a space plane for like seven minutes in orbit that was, or in low orbit, whatever. There's arguments back and he forth didn't on that. He break the 100 <clears throat> I'm not, yeah, I'm not, let's, that's, that's a whole yeah. other discussion. But he took up four or five people as passengers and they went up in a space plane for seven minutes into low, low, low orbit. And they had a professional astronaut pilot that was there making sure that they were fine and they were the, they were the passengers, not the crew. With regard yeah. to Jeff Bezos, he took up, you know, he went up with four people, one of which was like his brother, one of which was Wally Funk. Huge respect Massive for that. props for that, yeah. But, again... For that mission, they were passengers. There was an astronaut that was actually, there was two, in fact, that were actually flying the rocket. And they went up for whatever it was. It was an hour or whatever. Seven no, it was only seven minutes. Uh, no, that was Branson with seven minutes. Uh, Bezos. They, the were... Blue, or Blue Origins flight is equally short. It's okay. not a long flight. So that was, again, a group, a story of, of, Four passengers that went into space. This is different. These four people went up to space without any astronauts flying the, the the ship. Now you could make the point that yes, much of the Dragon spacecraft and all of that is automated now, but they did train for like a year to be ready, and they were showing them going through checklists or whatever. What if we lose contact? What if we whatever? They had to be ready for this. They climbed Mount Rainier as like a team building exercise. They did the Vomit Comet. They did all kinds of tests and fittings and retests. And they, they, these four people went up to space, not as passengers. They went up as the crew. If shit went sideways, they only had each other and, you know, to count on there in you know, person. You know what I'd actually, I'd be really interested to find out about would be, what would say somebody like Bob and Doug off of ever pilots, but oh, like oh, what's the name of that Japanese guy who went up in Crew Two? Yes, uh, um, he's up there now. He's the yeah, I forget he's his the name. Commander of the ISS. He is the he's a JAXA astronaut that is yeah. commander of the ISS right now. Yes, but you know what would any? I wonder what the mission specialists who went up on Crew Two would think about going up with Jared Osayan. You know, would they be happy with Jared as their commander and Cyan as their, their pilot, I wonder? I think if you were going up on a trip that was paid for by Jared and it was either that or don't go up, I think you'd be shocked how much they yeah. would be going for I, I, I would I would love to know the astronaut communities, especially the mission specialist side of it, what their take of these guys would be. 
Yeah. So the other the other point, so, uh, you know, I wanted to raise that, that these guys did not go up. They went up for three days. They took off on Wednesday. They came down on Saturday. They were up for three and some days, and it was awesome. In addition to that, they went up several hundred miles past the ISS. They went up into a, a, a higher orbit, and it was yeah. part of it was literally for PR purposes to inspire, to show like, hey, we're not doing this halfway. We're going up past where other people generally go. The other thing that I want to point out real quick is for those three days, the Earth had 14 human beings outside of its orbit. That is a record. That is a wow. that is a thing that hasn't, you know, that 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 is we're we're in a clearly yeah. in a new phase and i would also point out interestingly enough of those 14 people four of which were chinese astronauts that are currently docked with their new space station that they just got within the last year three of which were nasa a nasa crew that was actually led by a, a jaxa astronaut that is the current commander of the space station the iss three of which were Roscosmos cosmonauts that are stationed currently on the ISS, and four of which are this crew that you're seeing on the screen now. And the interesting thing about that is three of the four ships that went up were SpaceX ships. You have two yeah. Dragon, you have two Dragon capsules right now docked with the ISS. You had one Dragon capsule as of yesterday morning and afternoon that was above the ISS flying, and then you had the only non-SpaceX ship up there right now was the Chinese crew docked on their space station. It's there must, surely very there has to be a... Oh the, oh, the Russians must have their... Christ, what's the name of their ship? Their rocket. They, they, their... they do, but they took up, for this flight, they took yeah. up a uh, Dragon. Did they? Really? Correct. Right now, there are two Dragon spacecraft that are um, attached to the ISS. That's interesting. I thought there was a. I thought it was a crew dragon and a cargo dragon, and then you'd, you then the Russian side of it would be in their... Oh Christ! I know it's attached to the Zvetlani. I can't remember the name of their their ship now. Oh, this is good. That's going to annoy me, and it'll come back. Anyway, I could have sworn their other thing because the Russians never. The Russians only ever use their their stuff. Yeah, I'm amazed. That's, that's what I've been asking, and like, you know, as part of this whole rideshare thing, you know, can we agree that you know, if something goes wrong with a crew dragon or with the thing that may or may not eventually fly sometime before Star Citizen gets released, um, that Boeing are making, and then you've got the Russian rockets. So and our audience is doing a crap job of telling us what it is. There's two different ways that you look at that. Sometimes if they're flying up under their mission that they control, then they fly their stuff. When they're flying because the Russians are part of the ISS right now, they're pulling out theoretically soon, but yeah. they are part of the ISS right now. And when they're going up on a resupply mission for the ISS, they fly whatever it is that is contracted for that flight. But yes, you're right. When they fly their own private missions, they fly only their stuff. 
I'm not going to look into this, but I'm very dubious about this, but I'll take your word for it just now. I mean, that was what I read in the article where they talked about the fact that, interestingly enough, right now, three of the four spaceships that are up there yeah. are SpaceX ships, and the fourth is the Chinese ship that's on there, whatever. So if that article yeah. was wrong, then okay, I've got that, bad information. Yeah, that, that, but... that's possible. All right. Um, it's annoying me that I can't remember the name of that. One other, I think there's another couple of things that are classy as hell. One is obviously this is all being done for raising money for St. Jude's uh, Hospital over in the US, which you probably know more about than we do, Kai. Um, one thing, though, that I loved... Well, one thing I thought was quite disappointing is they've only managed... They've only, in inverted commas, managed to raise about 157 million. 100 million of that was the initial 100 million from Jared. And then the rest of us have managed to raise 57 million um whilst they've been going up to, up in orbit and they had a goal of 200 of 200 million so the other night Elon basically tweeted in saying yeah sign me up for 50 million to get them over the 200 million and I thought that's just classy as that's a typical Elon thing and it's classy yeah as well. so yeah typical very nice and very classy very very nice and uh, yeah it's just it's a beautiful yeah. beautiful thing St Jude's is uh, is amazing yeah I, I do think it's a shame that the rest of us couldn't come up with a hundred million. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those situations where, however, it gets there, it gets there. Uh, but yeah, that, that is true. But I don't know. Okay. All right. So I guess that takes us to the next topic. Unless anybody else has anything else on the Inspiration Four issue, it you can go on Netflix and watch them, or if you have some huge problem with netflix i'm not your dad fuck them steal it i don't care that's your business uh but if you do donate a couple of bucks to st jude's because i don't know just to offset that soyuz that's the word it's yep. the, the soyuz part oh, yeah yeah they're they're I knew famous for their... it's too late yep. yeah all right <laughs> topic there you, that's ben here we go that's mine like a steel trap next topic <laughs> I forgot. Yes, uh, that's the picture that I was supposed to put up earlier. That is, you can see Chris watching uh, Spaceballs on their on their way down. All right, that takes us to when I was a child at the edge of the galaxy. I heard stories about a man who could forecast the future. But the story remained dark to me until many years later. Until it became my story. Until it became the only story. You're familiar with my work, psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind expressed in numbers. And the Empire won't like the future I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We can murder the men, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life. His math was right. The Empire is dying. Wars will be endless. <laughs> thousand worlds reduced to cinders. Change 
change is frightening, especially to those in power. But we can soften the fall. So what's the plan? Many years from now, if humanity is to climb from the ashes, the coming generations will need the knowledge to build upon a foundation. We must preserve only the most essential pieces of civilization. Deciding what is remembered, what is forgotten. We are now staring down the barrel of a crisis. This is the plan. We're not turning around now. so that drops next friday so like what six days five days from now uh i am so excited i can't stand it i am like uh so ready and again like i said before with the netflix thing uh you know i'm not your dad go buy it for five dollars a month it's that's not much or if you have some particular reason why you absolutely hate Apple, then donate 10 bucks to St. Jude's and then steal it. Fuck them. Uh, I, I don't care. I'm personally going to buy it because I want to show my support and hope that they see dollars flowing in and say, hey, let's do more of this stuff. But you do you. I'm not your dad. Um, Foundation, one of my absolute favorite all-time series. Uh, it is, interestingly, or, or, or you know, uh, ironically enough, the foundation of, I think, a huge chunk of all of the sci-fi that we all know and love. I mean, I, I think there's bits of Star Wars and Star Trek and 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 uh, just everything sci-fi that has come along that in some way either directly pulls from or, or was inspired by or just sort of lit the fire of the imagination of those people that then went on to create the things that you love. Um, just just absolutely amazing uh, series of books. One of my absolute favorite. And I I know I've already heard from people that have been like, ah, they're going to screw it up. They ruin everything these days, this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe, but shut the hell up. I just want to be happy for another week, and then it'll be what it is, and I'll see it. But the first three episodes drop next Friday the 24th and after that one every week will drop for seven weeks and that will be the 10 episodes from season one for those that have read the book i know what you're gonna say is like how the hell are you doing that whatever because it's a story that literally is that the premise of the story the conceit of the story is that it like this guy has these ideas some stuff happens i don't want to spoil stuff but then the story itself then takes you place. You just completely ruined it, Kai. You totally ruined it. Now. Not even remotely. I was very vague. But then the story itself takes place over thousands of thousands of years. And, like, how are you going to do that? Well, the answer is multiple seasons. So Yeah, episodically. It's a, it's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it, 
it suits an episodic seasonal format far more than it suits being a film. Absolutely. Same thing with Game of Thrones. And I, I still come back to Game of Thrones would have ended fantastically if that old man had finished writing the books like he said he was going to. They, he, yeah. literally, he literally said, hey, man, I'm writing these books and, you know, hey, you got like a 10-year head start before you get to the book that I'm on. So by then it'll be out and you'll have a completed thing. And then he proceeded to not finish the books. Yeah. Fuckers. Yeah. So hop in on this. Who's got thoughts and feels on Foundation? Can I make a confession, actually? Go You've for never it. read the book. I've never read the Foundation series. I've read the Robot series. I've read a lot of Asimov stuff. I haven't read Foundation. So you've missed the best one. Fair oh, enough. I've, I've missed all... Yeah. You've got that to look forward to. Exactly. I mean, I, I love the Robot series. They're great. It's not a, it's not a long read. You pick up Foundation 1 and 2nd Foundation and, and read those and see how you get on. You, you, you get yeah. the nub of it with those two. They're not... They're not particularly long books, and they um, uh, and they're quite enjoyable. They they do. Asimov has this thing of um, Asimov's cat characters tend to be quite. They're mostly um, they're mostly quite boring science people who just they, they don't have a great deal of inner life, and they don't they're, they're not always particularly interesting characters. He's much as a writer, he's much more about ideas than yes. character. Yeah. Um, but I think Foundation, especially Second Foundation, actually has quite a few quite interesting characters. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, and in terms of big ideas, it really is the biggest. That and um, the other one of his that I found, because I agree with you, he's mostly known for he has an interesting, clever idea and writes to that. He doesn't really do character uh, progression yeah. that well, with the exception of, I agree with you, Foundation 2 has good stuff and Nemesis. There was some interesting character stuff in Nemesis, especially I've never between... Read Nemesis. Uh, between the, the 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 mother and the the mother and the father and the daughter in Nemesis is that 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 was like wow he went he got into character stuff like a lot interesting but, okay. yeah but um but one thing I've yeah. heard about with the series as as you say they're episodic and it's set over thousands of years yes uh, I have heard about I have heard you know, I am aware of it I just I've not read it mm. you know what I mean yeah. Um, I'm just I've heard, amazed. I've heard that they're going to be using contrivances, shall we say, to keep six main cast <laughs> through the series. Weird. So, okay. so maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a central conceit of the book that makes sense why Harry Seldon, played by Jared Harris, would appear over thousands yeah. of years and i'm not going to spoil why but there's a reason as far as it that extending to other characters that i had not heard and i find that interesting and weird mm -hmm. wolf you, you had something yeah yeah i i find it really interesting and weird that uh both you and suver just taking the high road with this one um i i i won't uh ben it, it's time for you to strip down and walk through the alley just shame Shame. Shame. <laughs> I'm already stripped down, man. Yeah, so I only record naked. Joke's okay, on well, there we go. Joke's on you. That's the only way that Suv can get it up. Or I mean Ben, sorry. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Fair. I said it. So um, no, the reason the reason Harry Seldon is in all of them is because um uh, Do you want to say that? Do you really want 
want to say it's that? Cause it's it's because there can only be one, and it's not until the final episode with uh, with the Kurgan <clears throat> right, the big we have okay. the big sword fight on in uh, in New York in 1985 that all right. it all resolves. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it, but Suv is right. The reason why Jared Harris lives for thousands of years is because through the entire series, he's just running around murking fools and cutting off their heads. You uh, yeah. okay? You ruined it, Sue. You ruined it. That can only be one. The worst thing about this, though, is this is the reason why we're not getting any more Anderson Dolls. Let's be honest, though. There is no timeline in which a British person would win Highlander. Excuse me. Do you mind if I <laughs> chop your head off? Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. You would be yeah. you would be okay. skull fucked by Americans and Russians long before you got even close to right. the running. Question yeah, here, Kai. True. You say British person. What about a Celt? Uh, yeah. yes, what that would. What would you say to an that Irish would be fine. Or a Scotsman running around with a sword? That would be fine, but they would be the first oh. pe person to tell you fuck the British. So yeah. No, yeah, the you're not British. British. The English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 making the typical foreigner mistake of saying British when you actually mean English. Yeah, Bannockburn, whatever. Fucking American. Mm -hmm. Yep. Freedom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, this is true. So, Foundation, it's amazing. If you've the never the effect was lovely. If you've never read the books. Go read them. If you're a book on tape guy, I actually have heard from Katie Byrne, who has listened to them all on Audible, that they're amazing on Audible. <laughs> I bet they are, actually. Watch the show. It's going to be great. This is, like, make no mistake, this is the next Game of Thrones. This is going to be that kind of a phenomenon of, like, holy shit, this changes the landscape of entertainment. This is what people are going to be talking about. So go and enjoy it. And it's great. Anybody got anything else on this before we move on to Soup's thing? I'm not sure it'll be the next Game of Thrones because okay. we are in a real fantasy zeitgeist at the moment. And the reason sci-fi stuff is, is booming is more because nerds have inherited the earth. And we now are no longer painting Warhammer in our parents' basements. We're mm -hmm. running companies and making loads of money. Um, I don't think I don't think that it is like the Suvette, for example, really liked Game of Thrones and watched it. I'm mm. not sure that I'm not sure that she would really love Foundation and watch it. Like I, I'm not sure it I'm not sure it will permeate the mainstream in the same way that Game of Thrones did. Counterpoint, ready. There are a lot of the mainstream that look at the fantasy stuff. And I, I let me tell you, as someone who is waiting with a permanent erection for New World that's coming in like a week and a half, I am so into fantasy. But there are a lot of the mainstream. There are a lot of the, the, um, the, the, the normies that when they see fantasy stuff... It's a hard sell because they're like, oh, it's elf shit, it's nerd shit, it's whatever. There are a lot of people That's right true, now yeah. that are caught up in the SpaceX and a trip to the moon and trip to Mars and uh, uh, expanse of it all who are for sure down to roll with shit like that. And, you know, let's, I'm for, I'm not for a second talking shit on the expanse the expanse is maybe my favorite thing ever but 
it's on old legs. It's on its last season, and they even are like now leaking shit that makes it seem like it's only going to be six episodes, which hurts my heart. But like, Expanse is going to drop in December, and then they're kind of done. I think this is a really good time to be in the selling sci-fi. I don't know. I just I I I disagree with your assessment. I think there's a lot of people that are hungry for some good sci-fi right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've been wrong before. I just I, I don't know. Like the, the story of Foundation is all about ideas, mm-hmm. and like most people like they like baddies getting their comeuppance and heroes getting to walk away from explosions and that sort of thing. And Foundation just isn't that. It's 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 the biggest of ideas, and mm. yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just not sure it's got. I'm not sure it's got mainstream star power, but I've been wrong before, and uh, you are a smart chap, and I could very well be wrong now. But I, I, I make room for the fact that I'm wrong because I get what you're saying. And in the while that was playing, I googled and looked up, and apparently there is a CRS-23 Crew Dragon ship that is docked on the ISS. There is a Crew Two Dragon ship, so there are two Crew or Dragon ships docked on the ISS. But whoever wrote that article that I read from, hey, asshole, there's also Soyuz MS-18, which is docked, Cygnus-16, which is a private, another separate contractor, and Progress-78. So, yeah, apparently the Russian crew is up there on an MS-18 Soyuz, and then the two Dragon ships, one, I guess, was maybe an automated... Uh, um... one, one's Cargo Dragon, one's Crew Dragon, Kai. Yeah, so... That's that. So um, that proves that I Cygnus, can be wrong too. Yeah, Cygnus, I think, is a European no. cargo spacecraft, if I remember correctly, isn't it? No, Cygnus is. Uh, I just had the page it's up. A, and I it's a cargo it. ship. I know that much. Cygnus is um, uh, a contractor. Uh, Cygnus is Northrop Grumman, which is an American okay, right. uh, contractor. It, SpaceX. But it's, it's, a, it's a cargo ship. And then ISS Progress 78 resupply. But anyways. Yeah, Russian. mm, Okay. Anyways, uh, I'm just pointing out that Suv, I think, is smarter than me. So he might be right as well. We'll see. Uh, One thing I'm I'm gutted about with Foundation, actually. I've just, mm -hmm. I've done some quick goggling on the The goggles side of life. Right. And if you're in America, you can get all of the Foundation stuff. So Foundation uh, 1 to 3, which is like, some might say the real Foundation books, and then you've got 4, 5, 6, and 7 are not available in the UK, but they are available in America. No, you're just wrong. Everything is available everywhere. If they will sell it to you, buy it. If they won't, then steal it. Fuck them. All right. There There are always ways and means, but it's annoying when... Well, I don't get why companies do this. Like, I, we've got... Go ahead. Why does Audible.com have different content from Audible.co.uk? They're both fucking English. And I you see... Know, it's yeah. not like they need to give us a German version of it. I would yeah, love a German yeah. version of it. And it, it would have... <laughs> it, would, it would involve more fucking... Never mind. Uh, yeah. Uh... In addition to that, we've got Dunkle Orr in the chat saying, I want Stargate Season 11. Well, good for you because Amazon bought MGM and they're making Stargate. Stargate, They're making new Stargate content. So soon, TM. Love that Amazon. 
love that Amazon. They bring shit right to my door. When uh, are they going to remake Firefly? That's the question. Oh, you heard oh. me. Oh. Shut up. Mm. Oh. Suverine. Just a matter of time. Suverine. Have any of you guys... Sorry, go Kai. Right, Suverine continues his uh, ability to give three men on the internet an erection. Go. Yeah, only three. That's a shame. There's, Most weekends there, it's more like 1,500. There's only three of us in this chat, bro. Yeah, but we've got all the listeners. No, no, I mean of the people in the chat is what I meant. People in the chat, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 100% success rate. Castle? Chat, if you have... Uh, if anybody if any list, anybody listening has an erection right now, please <laughs> let us know in chat. For God's sakes. Uh, yeah, I was watching a Halloween episode of Castle, and yeah, it's played by... Um, Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, I know the guy's name, and I should remember it. Baldwin. No. Oh, you're talking um, about the redhead, the pilot? No, I'm talking about Castle. Book, Shepard Book. You're talking about Nathan yes. Fillion. Yes, Nathan but, Fillion. But I thought, you were saying, I thought you were saying they had a special guest star for the Halloween episode, so I was no, naming so other Halloween, people. Okay, on I the Halloween even, episode. I don't even know he's talking about Firefly. No, on the, on the Halloween episode of Castle, or on one of them anyway, they had Nathan Fillion putting on his red shirts, his red, red jacket, yeah, as his as his. How about I wear this? And just, and his daughter's like, "What are you going for?" I was like, "I thought I'd go for a space cowboy." And she's like, "Yeah, that's a stupid idea." Yeah. And then the uh, rest of the episode is all about killing vampires. It's, nice, <laughs> nice. It's like it's like a love to Joss Whedon, man. That's beautiful. All right, enough with your fucking faffing about. Suverine, take shit over okay. and tell us all about the Alien franchise. Ah, okay. So, yes, I, um, yesterday I, uh, I went to a festival thing in Bermondsey with a mate and then we went back to her house and she and her husband and I and, uh, the Suvette came over and, um, we watched, um, we watched Alien and I haven't seen, Suvette had never seen it. I had not seen it for about six years and those guys had seen it reasonably recently um, and I, I, rem I rem remembered a whole bunch of stuff about it. Um, mm. One, uh, I completely forgot that, um, or rather, I didn't, uh, I didn't clock the first time I Tom watched Skirt? Prometheus. That um, oh. <laughs> no, the um, there is. Uh, I did, I completely didn't clock it when I watched Prometheus for the first time. But the the big horseshoe spaceship in Prometheus is the same one mm -hmm. on. In Alien, and the and yeah. the, the 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 pilot, the 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 dude in the chair thing is the same. Like I, I completely mm -hmm. didn't clock this. Like the continuity is amazing. Um, but yeah, do, you, do you want me to introduce Alien as a franchise? To, as it, like assuming that listeners have never heard of it. Do it. Okay. All right then. Well, okay. In uh, so um, I'll stop playing Red Out briefly while I do this. Um, so to for the benefit of anybody who's never seen it, um. Alien is a seminal 1979 film made by Ridley Scott. Uh, it was made on a very small budget, I think about um, 9 or 11 million, something like that. Um, and apparently it was slotted in between productions um, from the studio uh, and really sort of a, a production of necessity rather than a sort of visionaries, no expense spared extravaganza, if that makes sense. Um, the I, I gather I, I'm probably wrong on some of these details, but my understanding is that Ridley Scott was told, "You've got this slot, you've got this budget. Make it, make you slot a film in here if you want, but don't expect it to be brilliant, and you've got to sort of make do with what you've got." 
so he rustled up a, a script and a um and a, a, a low a low budget tight mm. um quite limited in scope sci-fi um basically uh, a ghost story but uh like a haunted house story mm-hmm. but not but rather than being uh but rather than being set on this world it's set in a spaceship that's the setup um 1979 drops and alien comes out and it is a uh it is a horror film about um it's a, a, a sci-fi horror film and it is about one alien seven crew members in a clanking spaceship full of steaming vents and swinging chains and that kind of thing mm. um the aesthetic is more hellraiser than star trek like if, if if star trek looks like a load of people in pajamas scampering around a big space-born dentist um dentist studio mm-hmm. then um alien is about a load of blue-collar truckers running around a giant sort of like i don't know shipping yard in space being chased by gone can i hop in with a little spoiler just just so people catch up on the story yeah of course so aliens alien rather singular um there was a there was a there was a group that was making a movie uh this dude it was a weird it was gonna star like orson wells and salvador dolly it was a Doom movie, and they had a special like sci-fi team that included Geiger and like other people for special effects. The entire crew of which were like working on this Dune movie that then fell apart, and then they moved on as a like a unit together. They moved on to Alien, and just spoiler alert: the the conceit of Alien is you can't feed them after midnight. Or they go bad, and if you get them wet, they multiply. Go ahead, Suf. You've got yeah, it. getting wet. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so uh, anyway, so this film came out, and it was unlike any sci-fi that um, audiences had seen before. It was it was dark. It was grim. Its vision of the far future wasn't wasn't adventurous or exciting or optimistic. It was grim, and there's there's virtually no world building. Like there's virtually none. You get you you know various concepts. You're aware that space travel exists, but none of the mechanics of it are ever explained or touched upon. Um, you are aware by the end of film of, of the end of the film that robots exist, but the their nature and workings are completely unexplained. Um, there's a re- there's a reference to the frontier at one point, so you know that humanity has a has a perimeter and has has and you can assume that it's extended beyond Earth. But there's virtually no world building at all. It is just about the characters on a spaceship being hunted and about the tension and about their relationships with each other and how they deal with it. It is, it was, it is remarkable and is regarded as a classic for several reasons. One of which is the, the cinematography is outstanding. The shots, the, the camera angles, the um, Scott kind of dwells on people's faces a lot. Like there's loads of, there's loads of long shots where you dwell on a character's face and the tension is like wrought in their features. Um, the score is incredible. Mm. Um, the casting is absolutely fantastic. It's mm-hmm. got um, Tom Tom Skerritt in uh, one of the only roles in which I've ever seen him. Um, I mean, he, he he is famously an extremely laid back actor, but um, and I've never seen anybody be quite as laid back about <laughs> being hunted on a spaceship thousands of millions of miles from Earth. But, um, I, my theory is that guy is always high. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he seems a bit like that. But even he gets a little bit head up towards the end, um, or towards his end. Uh, and um, one of the other reasons that it is famous is for introducing the world to Ripley, one of the one of cinema's most iconic protagonists. 
Uh, Ripley is remind me of Ripley's first name. Uh, fuck! I they always call her Ripley. Weaver. They always call her Ripley. Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her daughter's Amanda. Yeah, so Ellen Ripley is played by Sigourney Weaver. Uh, is one of cinema's most iconic sci-fi protagonists. She is um, an absolute badass. She's like kind of. This is probably gonna what I'm about to say might upset or confuse some people and, and um, take it as my flawed, ignorant, ignorant opinion, if so. But I feel like I feel like the character of Ripley is a is a kind of um, she's oh. really refreshing from cinema of that time because she goes through the film nearly completely unsexualized. Mm. There's one scene there's one scene where she you see a bit of flesh and but it's underwear. not about, Yeah, but it's not about it's not about her being super sexy and it's not about her like it's, uh, there's no like it, it it's She's Ripley, and, and, and this is developed throughout the franchise as well. It's not just this film, and I'll talk about the rest of the franchise can, shortly. Can I but, hop um, in for one second, Sue? Yeah, go on. Ripley, they show her, and there's that famous scene where she's changing and she's in her underwear, and let's just accept the fact. So Gordon and Weaver in 1979 was sexy as fuck and uh, looked amazing in her underwear. But, but, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But through the whole series... I'm talking Alien, Aliens, three, four, five, six, up to 19, whatever the fuck. If people would just listen to her, everything would turn out fine. But no one yes, listens to yes. no one oh listens to Ripley, and no that's a Ripley. fucking crime. They would be very short but very safe films if people just listen to Ripley. Like everything yes. she says is just extremely sensible. But yeah, she she's um. She is her her look in Alien is really iconic. She wears this slightly too small jumpsuit with the sleeves rolled up, um, and it sort of bashes her ankles, and it's got little Nostromo, which is the name of the spaceship insignia on it, and she scampers about with giant '80s hair um, a couple of years before her time, and um, she is super cool, um, incredibly badass, really hard as nails, but also but not kind of. Oh, she's just amazing. As a character, she's like, she's kind of nurturing without being kind of boring or pitiful. She's, uh, she's strong and badass without being like, uh, without being kind of unsexy. She's all right. One last interruption. And then I'm, one last interruption. And then I'm going to shut the fuck up. Go uh, episode five of parallel worlds podcast did a whole breakdown of the Ripley character and explained how you had this. I mean, let's be honest. Sigourney Weaver, 1979, gorgeous. And, and yeah, that scene in her underwear, holy cow. But I think that was in many ways sort of a lead-in to this whole new era that came actually maybe a decade later where women could be sexy without being sexualized in that she wasn't a sexy bimbo. She was a sexy genius that if everyone would have listened to, everything would have worked yes. out fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's right about everything. And she survives not because she's lucky or because she's saved by men. She survives because she's smarter and stronger than everybody else. It's it's brilliant. It's completely brilliant. And and the franchise, rather than rather than abandoning that or 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 making it trite, they actually double down on that as the franchise continues. And she's just one of cinema's most enduringly brilliant characters. Um, and interestingly, um, I am pretty sure this is true, but I, I read it a long time ago. Um, 
that uh, apparently she was cast very, very late. She was cast something like two weeks before filming, mm-hmm. and the role was actually written for a man, which is why the which it, it's a bit of a shame. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, "That's a bit of a shame," because it means that she wasn't written with all these virtues in mind. Um, but it, it but it doesn't detract from the fact that she's an amazing character, and and that character and that archetype has inspired loads and loads of others in not just sci-fi ever since. Um, which is really cool. But I um, mean, still just the balls, even if it was written for a man, the balls to make that switch late in the game and say, yeah, you can be a beautiful woman without being stupid. You don't have to be a bimbo. You you could be a bimbo, exactly. but you could yeah. also be a fucking MIT genius. Like it is what it is. Yeah. 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 Completely. Totally. It's, um, there's other things that are different about, um, about alien as well. It's rather than being, uh, you know, star Wars is all about, plucky adventurers star trek is all about space nerds alien is about is about sort of blue collar workers just just doing a shift trying to get paid and go home and it's um and it's kind of better for it in a way like it's more it makes it more about you know they can't beat the alien the alien the, 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 um, this is i mean this is a slight spoiler so yes spoiler there is an alien in it. um but um they it, it's about survival and uh and ingenuity and tension more than it is about sort of combat or action um it is an absolute it's a masterpiece of cinema and watching it you are acutely aware of i went so this is an example of how of what what kind of film it is afterwards suvet said to me um, God, that really reminded me of a load of other stuff. And I've only just realized that the relationship is that all those other things were inspired by that film, not the other way around. Like, Hell yeah. it's one of those films that's so, insp- it's so inspirational and so um, influential that watching it is not, an, is not a really remarkable original experience because it reminds you of so much else that's been made in more recent years. And that is because all of those things literally owe their existence to Alien. It's that yeah. influential. Um, Alien, a sequel to Alien, came along uh, in 1980, I think, made by James Cameron, different director. Um, And it was called Aliens. They stuck an S on the end. Um, And if I was to describe to you the premise of a tight, atmospheric, (laughs) uh, low-budget masterpiece of a horror film, sort of like a Blair Witch Project in space, um, and then asked you what was the best way to fuck up that franchise, you might say... Well, turn it into a turn it into an action film, and rather than having one all powerful deadly alien, have a load of aliens that they shoot with machine guns and blow up with bombs and stuff. Game that, over, you know, man. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like a really good way to fuck up a brilliant horror franchise. And yeah. Aliens is an action film, and it does exactly that. It takes that formula and turns it into a rambunctious, gung ho, wisecracking action film. And I'll tell you what's amazing. It's a fucking masterpiece as well. Yes. It's completely brilliant. It's one of the only... It, it, like, it is remarkable that they that they took a, a film that was so successful and so influential and so good as that tight, tension-filled horror and blew it up into an action film, and it's still brilliant. Aliens is a is an absolutely fantastic action film as amongst um, James Cameron's best, and he's made a lot of brilliant action films over the last few decades. Alien... And, um, Alien is a film where one fucking xenomorph messes up the entire crew, and it's a perfect movie. Aliens is a movie where 12, you know, space marines and Sigourney Weaver fuck up thousands of aliens, and it's still somehow a perfect movie. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Like, it's... So yeah, it's it's totally different tonally. It is completely different, but all of the aesthetics. I would, I would have said that Aliens 
is a movie about 12 Space Marines and Sigourney Weaver being fucked up by one man. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The, the dude, what's his name? Paul Reiser from no. fucking, from, no. from Mad About You. No. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. corporate yeah. dickhead. Yeah. It's a corporate dickhead. Always. Corporate greed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that emerges as a bit of a theme of the franchise, doesn't it? Yeah, he's such a slime. And it's just like, oh, I think one of the lines from Aliens is, you know, you don't see them doing each other or fucking each other over for a percentage profit or something like that. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And it's, it's so true about the whole Aliens franchise that it's all about Whale and Yutani and corporate greed. Yeah. Yeah, corporate greed and... Um... And also the, uh, like the enduring stupidity of mankind. The fact that we keep yeah, making we the same mistakes. This. Yeah, yeah. Keep making the same mistakes over and over and again, and every generation feels the need to learn those mistakes, learn those lessons the hard way for themselves rather than learning from the past. Um, yeah. So Aliens is a brilliant film for completely different reasons. And what's interesting is it didn't, it didn't making it an action thing didn't cement it as like a kitsch kind of self-referential nearly like comedy thing in the same way like like happened to the predator franchise it it sort of um it's preserved its identity and although there's the aliens uh there were loads more of them in the second film they are still one of cinema's most threatening and kind of i guess alien for want of a better word like in the in the true sense antagonists like they are absolutely terrifying completely unknowable um and um so after that, there was uh, Alien 3, or Aliens 3, I can't remember what it was, um, which came out in, uh, I think it might have been the 90s, um, from a French director whose name I can't remember. Um, and I think it, it is tied for shittest in the franchise with number four. I actually I, I actually really like three and four, um, but I like them because they're alien, not because they're I, I'm brilliant. glad you said that, Sue, because you know, whilst Alien 3 and 4 don't aren't as good as Alien 1 and 2, they're not they're not terrible no 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 not at all i completely agree like i i, I get why it like they're not gonna so alien as a film will win over people who don't love that aesthetic and love alien for the franchise they'll they'll win over film buffs who just like good films i, I get that alien 3 probably isn't like that it's probably not like a a genre sort of it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna bring people over who are not already into sci-fis or horrors but as, a, as an Alien fan and as somebody who likes good films, I've really enjoyed Alien 3 and Alien, and the fourth one, Resurrection. I don't think they're bad films at all. Um, Alien but... 4 has got some of the best scenes out of any of the aliens in it. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, all of the stuff with Sigourney Weaver, Weaver? Sigourney Weaver in Alien Resurrection is... Yeah. She portrays that version of her character... Oh, it's brilliant. So well. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The way she, oh, the way she sort of stalks about. Oh, it's fantastic. She's. I, I love that. You know the scene where she's playing uh, basketball. Yes. And that, that scene with. Oh, Hellraiser. Um, Hellboy. Sorry. Um, what the hell's Hellboy's actor's name? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, that scene with Hellboy. Um. Which yeah, one? And Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, that's it. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. And, you know, she's just, like, juggling this basketball all over him. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. And it's just her face, it's just everything in that yeah. scene is genius. And then she, f you, you know, that reverse basketball shot 
is a legit shot, but it's a legit fluke. Nice. I didn't know that. So, you know, she, she legitimately did it, and she legitimately got a basketball, but they were meant to... Got a basket. But they were meant to just cut it in with a basket going in the shot. Instead, she actually made the shot and just, luck, just lucked it out. Yeah, nice. Well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then Aliens, Alien Resurrection came out around the millennium. I can't remember when. Um, it, it really feels like one of those sort of 1998, 1999 films. Yeah. Um, it's got the soundtrack. It's got the... Um, it's got the acting. It's got the it, but but it's um, and it's a lot more high concept. They had to do a little bit of, they had to do a little bit of kind of acrobatics with the with the overarching plot to make it work and bring certain characters back. But it is a really great, uh, it is a really great sci-fi horror slash action. It's kind of, I guess it's in terms of like in terms of period and um tone. It's a, it reminds me of Pitch Black in a way. It's got that kind That's... of. That's the kind of, the one where they're in the prison with what's his name the dude uh, that I loved uh, Morgan Freeman and he's no, no, wrongly no. accused the 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 bald guy the black bald guy that he, he did that great TV show where he was the trash man and it was all about his life or whatever like he was a garbage man and he just it you're was talking just Vin Diesel no come on man well he said you pitch black think, and I was gonna make a point about mile, that the the older black dude that is like uh, the bald guy. Mile. No, he wasn't in Green Mile. He was, uh... Wait, is it the one in the prison? Alien Alien 3 is in the prison. Yes, that's the one. I I, I know everybody hated that one. I liked it. I liked it as well. Well, that's, yeah. three, that's three out of four of us who enjoyed Alien 3. Wolf Dragon, um, did you like Alien 3? I liked all of them. I mean, individually, they're greatly watchable as a franchise. The, the, the it's, it's just fantastic. I mean, even the... The newer ones, where um, I'm sure you get to it, Prometheus with the throwback, like that's oh, yeah. just fantastic. Uh, I do, I do have a point for for the franchise being uh, kind of groundbreaking, though, which we can put at the end. You know, add it now. Go. Oh, uh, so like you're you're talking earlier, like you you watch you watch Alien, and then you know you're watching it now and having seen a whole bunch of of different other sci-fi and and maybe in the horror action genre uh, subgenres mm. of that. Yeah. Um, like you wouldn't have had Pitch Black no, if you didn't really. have Alien, and it, it's kind of it's kind of like the same idea as, um, like with you know taking a completely different uh, spin on things like the movie Tron, like yep. the original yes. one. Like, yeah, there's a lot of movies you wouldn't have now mm -hmm. if that didn't happen. Yeah, so maybe. it's like this maybe. is. It, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's it's a low budget thing, but it had it had great artistic direction. It was masterfully done. It's become an absolute classic. And oh, by the way, it set the it set the bar for here's a completely new thing, and certain individuals, groups, whatnot have taken that and run with it and made some absolutely astounding things in the days that have passed. Can I hmm. just redeem myself real quick and say, yes, I'm a little drunk, but <laughs> Charles Dutton is who I'm thinking of. And he was Rock in the TV series Rock. It's three years. It did three seasons of that show where he was, like, it was a very cool show where he was just, like, he was a, he was like a garbage man. Like, that was his job, but it was about his life. He would come home and be with his wife and kids and talking about, like, just like the world and this, that, and the other. And it was an amazing show that did not get enough credit because that show was great. But his character, 
Uh, the I'm talking about the older black dude, the bald guy that he was like. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, he was. It's he served sort of the Sigourney Weaver sort of um uh like role of that guy that if people would have just had listened to from the yeah. beginning, shit would have been okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, don't remember that. I don't remember which Charles Dutton Rock in Alien Three and in the TV show Rock. Sorry, just I, I needed to hop in there with a little bit of like that. That was that was a show that did not get enough love. That show was awesome. Good. All right. Shall I? Uh, shall I carry on with mm. the alien thing? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um. Uh. I don't know what. What. I don't know how how long we wanted to to go on for. Go oh, as long um, as you want. So yeah. So Alien Resurrection came out in uh in in two in around two thousand something like that. And those people, like clearly the, the cast of this show, absolutely loved it. And fans of the franchise, of which there are now legion, uh, enjoyed it. But it was generally thought by the rest of the uh, the critical press and and I, I think probably most audiences to be pretty sticky, pretty pretty emblematic of the excesses of a of a of a, a franchise kind of you know playing to its base and not and not putting artistry over sensation. And I think that generally. There was a sensation after Resurrection that there wasn't a huge need to make any more um, Alien films for a while, and uh, and after that there were a there were a few tie-ins with the Predator franchise. So I think there's two Alien versus Predator films, which are um, yeah, we don't talk about them, which we don't talk about, and not yet, not even I like those. They're, they're okay for popcorn and turn your brain off for a, on a Friday night if you've got nothing else to do, but um, right. they they're not they're not true Alien films. I'm gonna take the, then, the super unpopular opinion. I hmm. thought AVP. Alien versus Predator was a fucking brilliant premise. Now the movie was dog shit, but the premise that they had where they found this like in Antarctica miles down buried city of blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh, if you had given this to competent movie makers, you could have made an mm. awesome story. The have premise watched, is great. Yeah. Have you, have you played the AVP game? No, no, that was, that was like a 2004. Early, game, early like 2000s, yeah. It was a great game. Um, again, all about corporate greed, and then of course a predator is coming in because the predators basically hunt the aliens, and mm. the, the predators like, what the fuck are these humans doing mm. without our our prey? Mm. It, it, you can play as humans, and aliens, or predators, can't you? You can, and it's and there's multiplayer as well. Yeah, I remember some mates at school playing. Oh, it's gr such a great fun game. Mm. Um, so in about 20, probably 2013 or 2014, or maybe 2015, um, Ridley Scott, uh, like there was, there was sufficient interest in the franchise, in, in a, in bringing the franchise back mm. and Ridley Scott wanted to kind of, um, uh, like explore the lore and the mythos behind it a bit more. Um, and, uh, so he, uh, he announced that he was going to make some prequels um that would that would do just that kind of explore the mythos build like build upon the world building give the give fans some answers for questions that they've been asking over the years such as you know where did the aliens come from and, and mm. all these various things and um and then in one of those years that i just said call it 2015 um prometheus was uh released so prometheus was i think they dropped uh the alien uh, prem, uh prefix from the name at some point in production because um uh, he wanted to let it stand on its own two feet, but it is very much an alien film. I, I think the reason it's not uh, it's it, it's not called Alien Prometheus is because there aren't actually any of the of the 
iconic aliens in it. Well, actually, they're kind of they're nearly are, but, but it, as, it's very much you, not about them. But as um, you pointed out, there was the architect was called back all the way in the very beginning. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So the so so Prometheus is Prometheus is another film that a lot of audi- it really divided audiences and lots of people. Lots of people really didn't like it, and Prometheus is often spoken of with some derision by kind of core fans. Um, I, I thought Prometheus was absolutely fantastic. Prometheus yes. and Interstellar are two of my favourite films of the last decade. I thought, oh, I thought yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. Um, so it, Prometheus is all about the myth, the mythology of the um, of the Alien franchise. It's, mm-hmm. it's again about a small a, a small crew of a, a spaceship. The the themes are corporate greed and the inability to learn learn lessons. Um, it's uh it's all it's a, it's a horror film again it's 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 all it's all about tension it's got all the same aesthetics and um and iconography uh and tension of the uh of the original few films but um but, but it doesn't actually go on. but while it has all of that stuff and it is a beautiful horror film in and of itself it also really flirts with the whole idea of panspermia which is a thing that like legit scientists on earth are more and more coming to the thought of like there's a very good chance that life originated on this planet as a result of single cell organisms that traveled here on a like like a, a meteorite or whatever that that, or that something yeah that that tripped now and, and don't get me wrong i'm not saying like oh this is proof that alien no 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 i'm not saying i'm just saying there's a decent shot, according to leading scientists, that a random rock that landed on our planet hit this very sort of weird uh, planet that was in a spot where it was just moving into high oxygen um, like levels, and these 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 single-celled. Uh, what do you call it uh single-celled uh, bacteria or whatever organisms evolved into what is now modern day life and like legitimately scientists now if you go to phd level like scientists around the country that deal with stuff like this or around the world they they will tell you like there's a decent shot that like what led to humans and what led to mushrooms and what led to uh uh squid are maybe things that came from three very drastically yeah, I'm, different I'm convinced that that squid octopuses that that whole category they they are aliens oh, and, and, I'm aliens. and this isn't <laughs> oh, aliens and this isn't this isn't some kind of like oh we're secret conspiracy theorists whatever like this is legitimate top level scientists will tell you like if they look at the weird shit involved in mushrooms and um, oddly enough, and I know if you say this, you immediately become a meme or a joke, but like legitimately mushrooms and cannabis, like weed, there's mm. weird things about weed, cannabis, and like its ability to grow fast and whatever, and mushrooms like spores and whatever. There's legitimate shit with that. And there's legitimate shit with uh, like octopus like squid whatever and legitimate shit with all of the stuff that grew that became sort of you know monkeys primates neanderthals neolithic homo sapien whatever 
there's legitimate stuff where it's like these don't follow the same rules and scientists are starting to say like i mean maybe maybe we happen to live on a planet that was like the perfect petri dish that was willing to at that point in its early 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 evolution with the the bacteria and the whatever that already existed and the high levels of things like oh it was just a perfect petri dish of we will accept shit and three separate rocks landed in this area and that started three different evolution lines or maybe not who knows like i'm not i'm not telling you i know shit i'm just saying it's legitimately possible there's a yeah there's stuff where scientists like not not fringe people like honest serious scientists are saying well that's weird i said fringe (laughs) not french I have nothing against the French. I love the French. They're fine. They're they're very nice. They make good food. They have beautiful women. And if you ever need to fight them, they surrender immediately. I think that's great. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now. No, uh, that's cool. So yeah, Prometheus is a is a is a very good alien film. It's it which just doesn't have any of the famous aliens, and it. it nearly does, but it's mostly about all the other stuff. Um, it's a brilliant. It's nearly an origins film. Um, it is. Uh, it is full of of really big sci- sci-fi ideas. If you like if you like horror and you like um, you like sort of tense thrillers and big sci-fi ideas, Prometheus is a, is a great film. Mm. Um, Covenant came in twenty sixteen, I think potentially. Um, Alien. It, this one did have the Alien prefix. It was called Alien Covenant, um, and it was a. Uh, I actually didn't like Covenant a lot. Um, I didn't like the. I didn't like some of the the reveals that came through it um they just weren't what i wanted um but i uh I you talked about the reveal of that about um where do, the aliens you, do we want from. do we want to give yeah about where the aliens actually come from yeah i really didn't i really didn't yeah like i think what a load of bullshit is yeah. no 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 let yeah. it go um, um it's it's a solid film though and it's got interesting world building um and it, it it's it's slightly different format to uh, to the others, um, in the sort of the setup with the where where the threat comes from is the direction you don't expect, um, and um, and I think there is another uh, alien sort of prequelish film. He's meant to... to be working on something, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, and so I don't know what it, I don't know what it'd be called, and uh, and I don't know what time period or um, what it will cover because a lot of the questions are now answered, but um, but it will probably be worth a watch. Um, the the other thing that's worth mentioning, and this is actually why we decided to talk about the Alien franchise today, is that Ben and I have been playing um, uh, a game called Alien Isolation. So in 20... Oh, was it 2015? 2016, 2017, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Call it 2016, then. Um, there's uh, the Creative Assembly, who make the Total War games, and are probably Britain's best uh, game studio. Um, they had the they uh, gained the license to uh, the alien license to make a video game um people have been making video games based in the alien universe for years some of them were good like alien versus predator that uh, that these guys talked about a couple of minutes ago um some of them have been quite shit um like uh, colonial marine which is famously one of the shittest um shooters of the of the 2000s um alien isolation is basically to the alien franchise what it, to games what the very first alien film was to the films it is a tight atmospheric tense horror game set in a clanking claustrophobic space station in which you are not an action hero you are a a, a civilian in a boiler suit just trying to survive 
Um, you you is... know you're actually Ripley's daughter in that. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, but um, yeah. these guys. And it comes out in 2014. 2014. Okay. We're both yeah. wrong. Yeah. And it, oh my god, it looks good for 2014. It looks amazing for 2014. It looks like it could have been made last year. It's fantastic, beautiful. Um, everything about the game is so so um, reminiscent of the the 1979 film. The mm. the um, the monitors where all the information is displayed, what they call retrofuturism. They, they just look like they've come from 1982. Um, nice. The the outfits, the the sound effects, the interiors, the um, just every, every little detail, um, the, even even the way the air vents work, has been perfectly listed, uh, lift, listed, lifted from the original film. It is as close to, it is as close to living through the 1979 film as it is possible to get. Um, it's also a really notable game because of the um, the Creative Assembly have uh, they have an absolutely fantastic AI division, um, which is that has. Uh, they they have to use a lot of AI work for their total war games, um, which involve loads and loads and loads of different mm. uh, different independent AI actors making decisions that in influence each other. So they are fantastic at AI in games, and the AI of the of the alien in Alien Isolation is really famous amongst video games for being one of the most sophisticated video game enemies of all time. Um, the alien. The premise of the game is, and it's not spoilers to tell you this because it's on the back of the box, the premise is that you're being hunted through the space station by an alien. You mm. can't kill it. You can run from it. You can distract it. You can hide from it. You can um, you can drive it off briefly. Um, but all of these actions come at costs, and they're, and it's not the only threat in the space station. It's it's as far from a power fantasy as it's, power fantasy as it's possible to get. Um, and uh, and the alien actually learns from you. It learns your behaviours. You can't rely on the same tactics over and over again. Uh, you can't you can't beat the game by learning its tricks. It's too sophisticated for that. It, it's one of the only video game antagonists which actually learns your behaviour and and punishes you from for using the same tactics more mm. than once. Uh, it's phenomenal. So I for me I watching watching the film and then watching the 1979 film last night and then playing the game today has been absolutely fantastic it's so it, it's so true to the original and so um uh nostalgic so uh so yeah that is that that is my that's souverine's intro to the alien franchise if you have never watched it and you like sci-fi do yourself a favor watch alien and aliens one and, uh, and absolutely have you been playing alien isolation in vr or just in pancake land just well i've actually been playing on steam link so i've been lying in bed and playing it there um, and that is plenty. Is is the VR thing? Is that official? Is that supported officially, or is it a mod? It's it's official. a mod. But oh, I thought it was official. It's done amazingly well. It's using the mother mod, um, mm. and it's it's great. The only thing that's a bit clunky, and this obviously, you know, you you know the cutscenes, obviously that you get. Yeah. It basically, a bit like if you're playing um, Elite Dangerous and you want to go out on foot, it takes you into Pancake Land. Right, okay, fair enough. That doesn't um, matter too much, because they're meant to be, cinema, they're meant to yeah. be sort of cinemagraphic mm. anyway. So yeah. for the cinema, cinema, cinema stuff, it basically takes you to Pancake Land. And yeah, okay. the other thing that I find is a little bit weird is if you're using the monitors, the red bar is kind of hovering above the monitor. Right. Which is it's a bit weird, but... Yeah, you know, for ninety percent or ninety nine percent of what you're actually doing, like running around the station, it's amazing. And you know that scene where you're going in and there's like a Jupiter-like planet, 
Oh, like, yes. Out the window. Yes. It, in VR, it's just like, oh, it's so good. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it just looks absolutely amazing. So, yeah, if you get the Mother Mod for it, play it on VR if you can. It's yeah. well worth it. Beautiful. Good um, stuff. I'll give it amazing. The entire alien. Friends of mine who have played it say that like, it's too scary to play in VR. Like, they just can't. They can't bring themselves to do it. Is it not absolutely I'm, terrifying? I'm putting on my big boy trousers. Or not. All right. All right. So check it out for yourself. Yeah, the I, entire... I trousers, hey, no hey, trousers, hey, that's fine. It's... Yep. But it's time to... We got to move on. It's a yeah. lot of aliens. Um, nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just make sure you go to the toilet first. So... Or wear, or wear a butt yes, we <laughs> get we get it, Ben. All right. So, when am I not? That's the question. <laughs> uh, do we still have a Kai? Yeah, am, am I muted? We Hello? have a Kai who is telling us to wrap it up. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, that's that's everything for me. I don't have I don't think I, test, I don't test. Think anything more. I'm uh, I'm excited for New World. Yes. Uh, next week, is it? Yes. All right. Here we go and we have some New World stuff to hit you up. Let's check it out real quick and then talk about it. Ebenscale Reach, like every other part of New World, is ancient. It's been around for a long, long time. You go from this dark landscape to something lush that's verdant. Ebenscale is an endgame zone, and with that, we wanted to really ratchet up the challenge. People have been landing on Eternum since the beginning of time. Some of them are out in search of Eternum, whereas others just got here by mistake. Throughout history, people have had words for Eternum. It could be, you know, El Dorado. It could be Eden. There were plenty of adventurers that came before us, but that's part of the excitement, is getting to learn who they were and what brought them there. For centuries and even millennia, different cultures, civilizations have sought out this place, this place of legend. To some people, it could be Atlantis. Uh, to others, it could be where the fountain of youth exists. But there's always been some draw of finding this mysterious place. That's one of the most interesting things about this game as an artist, because we wanted Eternum to feel like this mythical place where different cultures that didn't exist near each other in real history could clash here. There's something special about that. It is heavily based on realistic elements, but we also wanted to add some sort of new world flavor to it. We wanted to add supernatural and fantastic magical elements to it. We pulled a lot of reference from different cultures and different beauty. Ebenscale is different from the rest of Eternum because it was our first step into creating a totally new theme and we wanted to create something really unique. We really wanted the world to feel new and inviting and feel like there's always adventure over the next hill. And so Ebenscale is an example. We really wanted that to have a, a unique feeling to it, that it is very lush and tropical. There's this wistful, calm kind of beauty, but then also corruption and twisting to that nature. And so this like dichotomy of the different feelings that are going on there. 
The mechanics of how Aeternum attracts humans to its shores are, are somewhat of a mystery in the game. Empress Zhao Taiying uh, from China went into voluntary exile after her brother betrayed her and took over the throne. And she led her people to Aeternum seeking a new life. Some humans come here because they're inspired just simply to explore. Others are specifically seeking this place. The Empress and her people were just looking for a new home at first. In the player's leveling journey, they're at a fairly high level, almost to the level cap when they uh, reach Ebon Scale. We bring a whole new family of corrupted enemies. We have the corrupted musketeer, uh, a bunch of corrupted melee, and it really brings with it a new challenge, a new set of enemies, and the POIs are super challenging. and most powerful figure in Ebenscale Reach is the Empress. And she originally had her throne usurped by her uh, half-brother, and she was exiled and looking for a place to settle with uh, all her loyal supporters. And she stumbled upon Eternum and soon discovered the power that it could bestow. Part of that was making compromises with her ideals to, to secure that power. Having found that, now her plan is, is to go back and uh, take back what she believes is, is her birthright. I myself designed Empress. I wanted to design her really regal and graceful, but at the same time when she started attacking you, it's really terrifying. I looked at a lot of Kung Fu moves and Chinese dancing to reference her animation and attacks. The player will encounter the Empress at the end of the Dynasty Shipyard, which is this amazingly difficult expedition where players have to go in and they see the fleet that the Empress is building, this fleet of ships that she plans to go back and take what is rightfully hers. So the player has to go throughout the expedition, has to sort of destroy all the ships uh, while a bunch of enemies are trying to stop them. And at the end of this, they finally encounter the Empress. It's a super challenging fight. So from the team's perspective, when we're introducing new cultures, it's so important to us to properly do it. We want to make sure that this comes across as a celebration of that culture. Creating Ebenscale Reach, the team went through uh, months and months of research and then also working with some of our other geopolitical teams because what we want to do is be honorary to the source material, but we want to also view it through the lens of Eternum and the struggles that exist there. This is the most diverse team that I've ever worked on, and we definitely try to leverage the diversity within the team as much as possible to make sure that the cultures are properly represented. I mean, it's critical for us to get these things inspired by those cultures in the most interesting way, but, uh, but again, to, to make sure we're being respectful and accurate. We've just touched the surface. We have some pretty cool ideas on where we want to take the story and the journey we want to take everyone on. We just can't wait to share that with you. Hell yeah, that looks legit. We're, what, nine days away from launch of this, and um, that video has me super excited. As somebody who spent time with Mew15 in Okinawa, I'm like, 
I, when I played Final Fantasy fourteen, I'm not even not even gonna joke. Like when we got to Kugane in 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 uh, what uh, not Shadowbringers, uh, Storm Shadow, Blood, Blood something. I love that stuff. I love the I I I really like the aesthetic of, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, I'm a huge huge fan. Uh, I'm I'm super psyched for what's coming with this. Uh, we're like I said, we're nine days away from the launch, and Jesus, I can't even. Um, there's been some leaks. There was a person person on the friends and family like there's people that work for amazon that have a special access to a closed beta that's going on just for the employees i got the hang up sorry um i'm loving this this is brilliant dude uh there's a guy that put up a video nice there's a guy that put put up a video where uh i think it this is i i honestly this isn't because the alcohol this is because while we were playing the video i was eating these nachos that had habanero chilies in it and like i'm getting the the, the hot hiccups but uh whatever um there's a guy that put up a video on youtube a vod that only st- stayed up for a couple hours before it was pulled down and in it it showed under the available weapons it showed dual daggers blunder blunderbuss and the void gauntlet and these are highly suspected it's coming either on launch or soon after uh there are people that have i guess basically not cared about their nda and have leaked that basically amazon is looking to pro- like re- release co- additional content on the six to like six to eight weeks so every two months ish uh um sort of level that the, the next zone that's coming out is the Burning Sands, which is like a Egyptian mummy pyramids, fucking scarabs and weird Egyptian-themed shit that you're fighting kind of thing. Um, and there's even uh, a leak that I'm not going to mention because it's very, very in- inside. It's not publicly known yet that talks about the zone that's coming after burning sands and like I, I don't mind talking about leaks if it's widely known and everybody knows about it then it's like hey man this is public knowledge i i don't feel like a dickhead for bringing it up but like the stuff that's like sort of still inside baseball i i don't want to be the one that promotes shit like that so we're, we're not going to talk about it but like the hype is real for this game it is exciting it is awesome I've explained already in like three different episodes. Well, this is episode three, but the first two episodes, why this is such a different ga- game. And I think going to be balls. but like the fact that a trillion dollar company, Amazon with their game studio is planning on releasing additional content, like every two months. So like maybe five, six times, to- times a year with new zones new dungeons new weapons new mechanics new game loops more and more more i just keep coming back to the point where it's like this legitimately is going to be the next big thing and people just don't know about it yet but they're they're about to in 10 more days 
Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a success. I, I am so. So one thing I have always thought about New World for like eighteen months is that I thought the mechanics were brilliant, and the I thought the crafting, the being mm. in the world, and mm-hmm. the the combat were all fantastic. But that the setting and the lore were a bit boring. I've always thought that. Like I've always thought hmm. the lore was was a bit. It was a bit a bit derivative. The kind of thing that you'd make if you if you got a focus group and came up with the least offensive thing possible. Interesting. Um, colo- colonial stuff aside. Um, and um, and the the setting was just one big meadow. Hmm. Um, and I've been really, really interested by the stuff that they've shown recently. Um, one about the lore, uh, which is far more interesting than I thought it, thought it was, and far more kind of, um, uh, I guess, kind of thoughtful and, um, and kind of thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And... And also the the setting, like the it's becoming. I think that the the when I, I thought that it was one big meadow, that's basically just what they showed us during the alphas and betas, and it was it was just certain game areas. The stuff that they've been showing recently, like the stuff in that video, it's stunning and and really interesting and really varied. Mm. Um, so yeah, like originally I was thought, yeah, it's never going to be like a wow contender because um, because the setting's too boring. There's nothing like the variety of landscapes that you get in other MMOs. Mm. But I'm since revising that opinion because I'm seeing loads and loads of amazing new environments. Interesting. Uh, Ben? What do you think? Well said. All right. (laughs) Wolf, are you there? He's eating. Yes, Wolf. Literally, like, his food just arrived. Okay. I, I I hit the mute button and then the unmute. No, other round. Unmute button and then mute button. And you guys are uh, laughing at me for having hiccups. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I was just so I was just basically yeah. I'm still there. The the it still looks nice. The grind still looks real. Did you buy so the long game? As then? I get, so long as I get thirty hours of play out of it, I consider myself quids in. Oh, so you and bought I'm the already, game? I've already got twenty hours of gameplay out of it. So hey. Yeah. I'm not sure it is that grindy. Like, what, what's the opinion on grind? Like, my, I've, I've played... My, my take on the crafting is... I, I appreciate the fact it's click once and move on. Um, but... Wow, how many rocks do I have to break to get myself leveled up? Can I offer you a yeah, counterpoint, I, I, Ben? Pardon? Feel free not to grind. Well, I don't... Don't, yeah, don't, but... don't craft... You can just play oh, I know. MSQ. You can, you yeah, can, you can play, buy your stuff you, you want. You do whatever you like. That I, is very um, true. I, did, I, I really, I played the game quite quite a lot during betas and stuff, and I really didn't find the grind. I really didn't find it. I didn't, the thing is with grind, like, Elite Dangerous is the one that is the only other MMO I've put a lot of time into. And mm-hmm. um, with that game, there really was a bit of an arms race of, Oh, if I want to engage with this content, I need to grind. Like, I need to go and do the Guardian Ruins 17 times so I can get the only weapons that are meaningful against Thargoids, for example. You know, that using an example. Mm. Um, not all of the grind is real in Elite. Like, you can, you don't have to get, you don't have to max out Grade Five Engineering. You get 90-90% of the value by just doing a couple of rolls, couple of rolls in Grade Five, for example. Mm. But I, I do feel like Elite is a grindy game, and I didn't get that feeling with New World. Like, I never, I never felt like my progress was being gated behind doing the same thing. 20 times like yeah the missions so so where i found that was i was running around and then i was like you need uh rock picking 
uh, mining to be level 50 to get this rock. And that's, I sort of, I was like, okay, fine, I need to be level 50. And then I looked and I was like, okay, I'm level 12. Let me ask you a question, Ben. Why were you trying to get that rock? Just because you saw it in the world or because you had a mission board or what? No, I was running around, running around the world and I was like, oh, there's a, there's a rock there. I'll go and pick that. Sure. And then I was like, no, you can't have that. Let me, let me point out, "Ah!" let me, let me offer a counterpoint. If you were able to pick up every rock of every level in the entire world, then it would be a shit game. Yeah, I, I saw plants that I couldn't harvest because I didn't have the harvesting skill. But sure, I didn't think, yeah. like, oh, God, the grind is real. I just thought, oh, cool, there's more. There, there's there's clearly more features that we'll unlock. Like, there's more content that I will discover later on. As like, yeah, I mean, this, this, this what, could where... be because of my the experience that I've had with MMOs. And usually it's like, so long as you picked the flowers while you're running around that zone... Like when you're sort of in level one to ten, then all the flowers there could be picked up by level one to ten, and you just you you would be you'd be fine, and then you'd go to the next zone, and if you hadn't kept up with flower picking, then you'd have problems. But if you had, you'd be okay. I would like to reiterate my previous point, yeah. which is, you've played the game for all of a three-day open beta. If you yeah. had entirely exhausted. All of the content of a zone, any zone, in three days, mm. that would be a sign that it was a shit game. The fact is, if you go to, if in WoW, in different games, Final Fantasy fourteen, there's, there are some resources that you come back to. Now, for WoW, some of that is herbology. For for Final Fantasy fourteen, a lot of that is in fishing. You go back yeah. to some of even the starter zones as a Max level, I've put in 300 plus hours as a fisherman, and you go back and you're trying to catch a specific fish at a specific time with specific whatever. I, I, I literally, I go back to my previous statement. The fact that you couldn't get everything out of an entire zone in under three days is a sign that it's not facile. It's good. Also, I think I, I, I do see what you're getting at. I'm just, I, I, I guess think... I'm just used to, you know. If I'm in a level 1 to 10 zone, I expect to be able to pick those flowers. I guess, um, yeah, but it, it, yeah, it's... That's not my take on it. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. It's not structured like that, though. The game the game yeah. is is not structured. It's not like Guild Wars 2, whereby you can exhaust a zone. Like, it's... Um, there is stuff that will not be your level everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. The um, the other thing is that the definition of grind for me is, is when a game says to you, no, you cannot progress, you cannot go further, you cannot mm-hmm. experience new things until you've done this 20 times. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's kind of how I think of grind. And when, when games make you feel like that, like, for example, oh, I can't, I can't do this thing that my friends are doing because I need, to do, I need to go to this place and do this thing 50 more times or whatever, that's grind. When, when you simply can't do a thing because you're not that level, that's, that's not grind. Unless you literally can't have any more fun until you've until you've done that grind. Like if you if you can just go away, keep playing, having fun, and then come back and harvest that flower later, that's that's not grind. That's just that's just um, that's just a, a game in which not everything is laid out for you immediately. If that makes sense. I feel like the fact of the matter is is that I appreciate the fact that there are reasons to come back to all of the zones as a higher level or end game content player. 
Every last yeah. one of us, all four of us on this panel, have played New World. All four of us on this panel have bought New World. Or are intended to, have stated their intent to. Let me ask you a question, Ben. Did you feel, when you say like, oh, I got to this plant and I couldn't get it till I was level 50 and I wasn't level 50 yet. Did you find yourself feeling in the three days of beta that you played New World, did you find yourself feeling like, oh, I was stuck, I was without, I couldn't progress? Or did you feel yourself saying yeah, like, I mean. oh, I could progress in 9,000 different ways, I just have to pick one and get on it with it? I did a little bit with um, getting myself to a position where I could get iron. Um, so I had to go and get the iron to... Because I was looking for... I was, look, I, was, I was looking for a new weapon and I was like... Looked at them in the auction house and I was like, fuck me, I can't afford that. Uh, but then I was like, okay, I can just go and craft a rapier or whatever. Hmm. Um, and what do I need to make a rapier? Okay, I need this, 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 and this. Okay, how do I go and get that? I was like, and then I was like, okay, I need to now go get some iron. And then I was like, yeah, you're not, you can't get iron yet. So I was like, oh, piss off. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I will, I will qualify what I just said by, I, I just, I didn't think that my experience of New World was grindy. That doesn't mean it's not because I've, I've not experienced nearly all of it. Mm. Um, I, I just didn't feel like my, the hours I spent yeah. in it were grindy. I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of quote unquote grind to deal with. My my biggest thing was getting distracted at how pretty and immersive everything is, like with the mm. trees moving and the different sounds in the distance yeah. and walking around and and just like, oh wait, I was doing what? Like I get uh, my my ADD was kicking in hard during those three days, and yeah, I came across it was like, nope, I can't do this yet. It's like, oh okay, well what is this? And you jump out and look at either the wiki or some videos that had come out and great, great information is like, Oh, in order to do this, I need to do that. It's like, okay. And then, you know, I get the idea of here's all the different ways I can, I can progress. And like some people had already come out with, and here's how you just monster your way through that mouse maze of getting it done quickly. It's like, ah, I don't want to do that. And you know, just trying to look at the game for what it was during the beta. And it, it's going to mean that there's going to be a tremendous amount of playability in all the zones the for whole me, time for me it's gonna be great for me i found so many fantasy mmos i'm not talking about sci-fi mmos that's a different animal but for fantasy mmos i'm so sick and tired of here's a massive zone and in this zone there's you know thousands of mobs and 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 just miles of acreage and and all these biomes and this that and the other and in this zone, there's 12 resource nodes. And you're running around, racing against everyone to try to get one of those 12 nodes the second they pop up. And New World is different in that, I think, in each you know county, whether you're talking about Windsward or, or Ebonscale Reach or Reekwater or whatever, it's not 12 nodes. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of nodes and it's just a matter of like it's a it's a sandbox go do whatever you want and and figure it out and and you're not racing against 800 other players for these 12 nodes that pop up and then you and you inevitably get bots that just get them like no it's a world and there's 
thousands of trees and there's hundreds of places where you can get water or bushes or rocks of this kind or that kind and i just mm, i I will, I also wouldn't think I, my experience was that crafting weapons was the worst way to get them mm, there's amazing especially high see i think you have a very skewed vision suv of the game because I think even though you've been playing the game for quite some time during multiple betas and, and alphas and whatnot, I don't think... What's the highest level you've gotten to, for example? Oh, I don't know, like 15. Yeah, so the game goes to level 60, and you can get your crafting up to level 200. Some of the like best end gear game in the entire game is stuff that you have to craft so that you can specifically engineer like the the bonuses and the buffs and the whatever to be exact i'm talking about level 60 like uh item level whatever 565 or whatever gear like you have to craft the best of the best so yeah, like it it does change you, you know it's kind the, of it, okay yeah a better, a better way of saying it would be in the first 20 hours okay i'm not sure that crafting is the best is I, the best way to get weapons oh i 100 percent agree with you in in the first 20 hours you're constantly speeding through the MSQ and different things and just getting cool random drops. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. That's 100%. I mean. That's actually, I, I agree with that. I can't speak, uh, I can't speak for the rest of the experience. Yeah. But I'll take your point. I will say from Sephthir, from Swole Benji, from Invin, from Sir Medieval. Uh, from Demone Kim, all the guys that are doing the high-level coverage, endgame stuff, it's a whole different ball game, and crafters are going to be very sought after. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Wolf, hop in a little bit and tell us a, a little bit about your experience within the beta, what, what you thought. So, uh, I'll readily admit, this is this is not the typical type of game uh that i seek out um i can socially play games uh with friends and find things that are enjoyable um i think i could actually spend some real time by myself just walking around the world doing things that i feel like doing that day and having an absolute grand time with it mm. um i think the overall game design is fantastic. Um, there is no shortage of just flavor running around out in the world to go and observe, do, you know, what, whatever you want. Mm. It's, it's the kind of game where I don't want to do this, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to get tired of that, I'm going to do this. I don't, it's, it's not, I, don't, I don't see myself falling into that trap in this game like I did in say uh oh what was the final fantasy before 14 11 MMO 11 mm -hmm. um that that I I I mm. very quickly fell out of love with um oh. I played some Guild Wars 2 and I basically just became a crafter um I had somebody in the group that would go out and get me stuff and then I made everyone's stuff for everyone I didn't really do most of the game because of that, um, mm. just because the rest of the game didn't interest me that much. Um, God, I loved Eleven. What was, what was the other one? Oh, Black Desert Online. 
Oof. same deal. It, Oof. It, it became like I I couldn't keep up to to keep playing whatever. Like even with the all right, I'm gonna go here and and learn how to craft and make this gear whatnot. It was it was just uh, BDO was. BDO was the prettiest experience ever while you were drilling through your hand. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Oof, I, yeah. I don't see I don't see New World doing that, and to be honest, I'm really excited for it for that reason. And yeah, taking taking an absolute 180 degree turn from that, the prettiest experience ever while drilling through your old hand, your own hand. Uh, Wolf, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences in Nomansky, a game that has arguably much more rudimentary graphics, but an amazing and enjoyable and fulfilling game experience. Oh, I find Nomansky to be just as beautiful for completely different reasons. Mm. Um, so I finally sat down and started doing Expedition 3. Mm. And man, that's like I'm I'm still early game in my regular save. So a lot a lot of people listen to this and be like, oh why why did he make this mistake? Why did he make that mistake? I'm gonna gloss over a lot of that. Um I'm six and a half hours in. I've finished phase three and I'm starting phase four. And looking at what phase four and phase five are, it looks like this part's gonna go pretty quick. To be clear, um, I wanna clarify. You're you said you're six and a half hours in. That's on Expedition Three. You've been playing No Man's That's on Expedition Three. I've that. I've got I've got oh I'd have, I'd have to load the game and look at what what the this is how much of your life you didn't realize you put in this game <laughs> timer is beside the save icon. Um, I for Expedition Three I had a real bad rough start. Um, my ship uh, spawned right beside. Uh, another established base from another player who was oh so gracious and locked down everything there, so mm. I couldn't use pretty much any of their stuff to help jumpstart me or anything like that. Um, I walked around for a good two, two and a half hours trying to find a spot so that I could put my base, and because of my wonderful internet being the way it is, all the other players' bases weren't loading in, so I couldn't see them on the little, you know, compass map. You know, hit the button, scan, figure out where to walk to get away from everything. Uh, but I did get some help uh, from Kai after he got his ship up, and I—I I don't know what I did, but where I started, I must have angered RNGesus hard because I'm on this tiny little peninsula, and the whole way down the peninsula, all you see is just. Every thousand units or so, another base, another base, another base, another base. Um, and utilizing a little bit of a trick that I didn't know how the game worked in this regard, Kai found a mountaintop that using the altitude was able to get me far enough from away from everybody. And uh, I've got a little uh, sky base. Bro, that, dude, you've got a mansion in the sky, bro. <laughs> I, I've got I've got this I've got this uh, little place I call home. Uh, it overlooks the water because well I'm on a mountain in a peninsula, so look any way you want except that one way, and it's just nothing but water. It's beautiful. I'm actually above the flight path of the NPCs that that are you know buzzing through the area for for flavor and whatnot. So that's nice. beautiful. And because we're on the toxic hellscape of a planet. I get to see the weather before it rolls in, 
and then I can see it blanket the the local area, and it's just I, I wouldn't think something just ugly green storm of nastiness could look that beautiful coming across the the landscape bro from and your then, deck you can pivot around and see like six different storm crystal location spots yeah. oof that's that's been helpful that that gave me some money, money to uh buy buy a couple of things from the trade terminal to help get me through uh some of the well shit how do i get that um it i've had a blast i mean i should i should finish this expedition probably Within my next play section, if not mm -hmm. the following one, so definitely before the end of the week. Mm -hmm. You know, it just depends on when I can jump on and do stuff. You but and, you and I stayed like, up till three a.m. playing that oh, yeah, last that, night. Yeah, this morning. That's, that's why I'm on my third monster <laughs> of the day at this point because <laughs> I am dragging hard. Um, the really interesting part of this is is like I said, um, I'm still early game. I've got, you know, says. I'm not in triple digit hours or anything, but I've got a lot of hours in the game just, you know, playing it at my own pace cuz you can do that with No Man's Sky. Um the the way the expedition's set up, like the it's here's all the different phases, here's the different, you know, missions or, you know, quests to get done in the phases. And some of them reward you with items, some of them reward you with blueprints, and figuring out the thing that I need to do next, which isn't always perfectly linear, especially depending upon what sort of resources and whatnot I have around me in my, you know, where I'm at right now sort of thing, it's added, it, it's compounded the new player experience of not knowing exactly what you need to do with Congratulations, you're on the expedition. We've created this puzzle for you to solve. It is solvable, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to to dedicate some thought process and, and planning to, to getting things done in a logical arrangement of steps so that you're not just spending you know, time needlessly on, on something that you didn't need to do. That, so, that has been an interesting tutorial to how to play the game. Um, so just, just to clarify for people that might be like, I don't get what you're saying. There's some parts where it's like phase three, step two, the reward for that, which you can do early on. Like there's nothing that stops you from doing ahead of time. Phase three, step two, the reward will give you a component that you kind of need to complete phase two, step four. Like there's stuff where it's out of chronological order. So again, in the Nomansky inimical style it's like a huge sandbox and you can do shit out of order and whatever and they're actually counting on you to to like make it work it's been it's been neat trying to figure okay i gotta do this next how do i do that okay this is how i would do that normally how do how do i do that in the expedition and it's been it's been an absolute blast i love it nice have you, Wolf, uh, I'm not, sorry, Wolf and I have both gone hard. I completed, again, like I said, I stayed up till 3 a.m. I completed Expedition 3 yesterday, or this morning. I completed getting my settlement to sort of max level, um, as, at least as far as you can. I can't upgrade it anymore at the moment. Um, 
so I'm waiting for the next content drop, but Wolf and I both, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Wolf, you speak for yourself, but for me, Expedition 3 has been a kick in the pants, a total fucking, just a, a fun time, really cool, and the, the settlement stuff, I was surprised, I didn't think I was going to like it nearly as much as I did, I was kind of disappointed when they announced the, 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 the sort of uh, details of what uh, update three point whatever the hell this is was what would you rather it have been sorry to interrupt so there was a lot of speculation beforehand that it was going to be a big invasion of aliens through the weekend if you if you follow the story i don't want to spoil too much but if you follow the story in depth up to the, the 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 last patch there's this whole thing where there are these weekend boundaries which are these like sideways circle gate things that are in the lore, it's a it's a place where there's a weakness between our dimension and another dimension. And I was super hoping because in the leaks, they were talking about there's going to be an invasion of these guys. And it to me, it had a very Jem'Hadar feel, a very like, uh, you know, from another quadrant of the galaxy or whatever. Um, these aliens were going to like pour through they were going to invade us we had to both first fight them back and then take the take the fight to their area and like fight and sort of for people who are fans of of stranger things like go to the upside down and like beat them there and i was super psyched for that and then when they were like and settlements i was like <laughs> this does not excite me and they're like we've increased the graphic stuff and i was like well that's nice and they're like we've increased the ability for your save slots and i was like that's nice and we've increased this and that and the other in the back end like the underlying like mechanics like the the engine that gives you the game we've made this and this and this better and i was like that's nice but then when you get to the actual like deliverable player facing content of like and what is it that's new? What new missions? What new gun? What new ship? What new character? What new animal? What new thing? They were like, settlements. And I was like, I'm not impressed. Like, okay, rah, rah, whatever. It's a great game and 17 free updates later, but I'm not really impressed. And then I played the settlements and I gotta say, I fucking take it all back. It's fun as hell being the fucking mayor of this town and like trying to look after your people and build stuff. And it's, it's got a very Kingmaker vibe for anybody who's played the Pathfinder, uh, either the video game, the Pathfinder campaign or the actual Dungeons and Dragons role-playing, you know, Pathfinder 3.5 edition, uh, game of like, you're, you have your people you have to look out for and you want to do right for them and you want them to thrive and survive and whatever. And, Despite the fact that I had zero interest in it, I only played it so that I could talk about it on the show. When I started it, and as soon as I founded my colony, and these people are asking me for help with this, that, and the other, like, I find myself shocked that I gave a fuck. I was yeah. super <laughs> into. I was super into it. I was like, I should oh, be on I your tombstone. I should be on your gravestone. Shocked that he gave a fuck. I was. I. Did not think I was going to like it, and yet I liked it. Have you ever seen a movie or a TV show or played a game where you're like, meh, this is going to kind of suck, but, you know, somebody else, it's free, or somebody else got it for me, or my girlfriend makes me watch this, or whatever, and then you're like, oh, but this is a good show. That's what I felt. That's what I felt. (laughs) And Expedition 3, 
I was super hyped for from Jump. I was like, this is going to be great. And it was. I loved it. Well, uh, Ben, uh, Suv, do you have any uh, Nomansky update Frontiers and or Expedition 3 you know, thoughts or have you played it? Any, any, anything? I've not, yeah. not, not touched it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not on a space game Fair. at the moment. Fair. Well, um, I've, uh, I've been playing loads of Total War Warhammer still, and I've been still playing my city builders. Mm. Um, I will, I will give Frontiers a go though. It sounds, it sounds really good. And it is exactly what I wanted for the game. Well, part of it. Cool. I think, uh, Wolf, do you have anything else or should we move on to Ben? Yeah, I got nothing more. I'm I'm just looking forward to sitting down later today and seeing how far I can get into phase four. Well, we have someone in the chat complaining that we're not talking about enough space games. Hey, Ben, fix that. <laughs> Star Citizen, get it done. Well, yeah, I am actually currently doing a bit, a spot of the old Ninetales stuff. Uh, and I, I had a blast actually earlier with Ninetales. Um, so I was in my MSR, and you know the MSR is nice and all, but we, I basically I was doing this PvP. It's part part of Ninetales is obviously this about a hundred kilometer large blockade, and I did this hundred kilometer run from some guy in an anvil arrow who could just fly the hell. I just you just outfly the MSR every single direction. It was just ridiculous, um, but I was a smidge faster, and just realizing that and running so fast, and then trying to dock so fast at the station with this guy like at the end he was maybe five kilometers behind me was that was just so much fun, and this guy chasing me for a hundred k. As I tried to get in, it was amazing. That was great fun. Um, the so uh, uh, the nine tail stuff. It's all because it's talk like a pirate day today. So yeah, we've been, we've been actually we've been Arr. slacking in. Yeah, we, we we've been neglecting our R's and things like that, haven't we? Yeah. Um, but nine. It's talk like a pirate day. Uh, Star Citizen have been like. Here we'll go and go and get a Drake for cheap. Oh, well, not cheap. Go and get a Drake because it's talk like a pirate day and it's the same cost. And we'll put nine tails on this weekend because that's a bit piratey. Um, and you know, nine tails have been running. It's been a lot better than it was the other week. I think. Um, last night I was trying to do the pirate side of it. There was like seven of us in a hammerhead. And we're like, you know what? Let's go and let's go and do the do the naughty side. Nice. Um, at which point we promptly got our ass handed to us, despite the fact we were in a fully fully crude hammerhead. Does anyone because... else? Does anyone else feel really uncomfortable when Ben says do the naughty side? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, facing up against our our fully full hammerhead was another full hammerhead plus a shitload of other ships. So. You know, we stuck yeah. it out and accepted our demise, but, you know, we, we got our ass handed to us, obviously. Um, but it was still, you know, what are you going to do when you're one ship against ten? Yeah. Um, 
so that that was a bit of a shame. And you know, after getting our ass handed to us, we tried to clear our names and everything. But by the time we'd all cleared our names, at, um, over at Port Career, <coughs> and you know, we were all Crime Stat Five. And what I didn't realize actually, when you're clearing your name, is every single crime you commit gets you a is something you got to is something you got to clear. Wow. So every single time the way we went off and got our crime stat up to 3 to get to the criminal missions was by basically we sort of took over Portolosa for about half an hour. And but that meant as we then found out when we were clearing our names in Korea every single time we fired a gun basically meant you had to clear your crime stat for that. Yeah. And it was like we it took about half an hour per person just to clear our names. And there's seven of us. Um, but that was fun, because then obviously we were holding Korea for about two hours, basically. Nice. Um, and that was kind of cool. That was cool, but it was like, oh. Um, but not, not a productive week. Uh, not a productive evening. What was the um, what was the stability like of the Nine Tails event? Um, the stuff I've done so far was pretty stable, I suppose. You know, we were we were... We were stable enough for us to be, you know, get our asses handed to us, and then yeah. to hold Korea, and then hold Korea for a couple of hours. Yeah, and then about an hour afterwards, while I was actually in prison doing the mining, clearing my name. Um. So you know, that's I guess that's fairly stable in it. Yeah. I mean, two a server lasting two hours is pretty good. Yeah. Um. So that that so Ninetales has been a lot of fun. The other main thing I guess I would say would be the Star Citizens doing the whole um ship showdown stuff at the moment. And the previous one was a little bit of drama because it was the MPUV cargo, I think it is. Which is this it's basically Star Citizens equivalent mm. of the of the space shuttle. You know, it's this little ditty orange thing which is designed for taking cargo up and down from ships that aren't meant to go to a planet. I think the space shuttle is meant to be like a much 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 larger. Not. It's more like a like a like one of those have you seen those like the little teeny teeny mini mini micro cargo vans, the little ones? Mm. It's more like that, I think. It's, well, it can hold quite a few. It can hold quite a few SCU of cargo, though, both inside and outside of it. Mm -hmm. but basically, it's the ship that's designed for loading and unloading things like the eight ninety jump. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's meant for unloading everything, but like there's a fleet yeah. of them. It's the it's a forklift in spaceship form. Yeah. Yeah. And it was going up against the Carrick, mm -hmm. and the Carrick is basically it's almost the Jesus ship, I'd say. <laughs> wow. You know, it's it's a great ship. It's got like the bed for resurrecting yourself in. It's a lovely. It's a good combat ship. It's it's so, got loads of cargo. It's a great ship. Mm. It's also one of the most expensive ships in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and RSI's community manager went off and basically said, if the Carrick wins, no, if the Argo Cargo wins, I'll cosplay as an Argo Cargo. Mm -hmm. At which point the internet went, you will, will you? Okay. 
Challenge accepted. Jared has um, called out on multiple episodes of ISC and SCL now that like go Argo Cargo fight the man. So like it's yeah. I think it's a bit of tongue in cheek, wink wink, nudge nudge. It's it's not Jared <laughs> who's done it. It's um Jake Acapella oh. or Oh Zylo? Zylo, yeah. Zylo, okay, yeah. Um it's their equivalent of of Zach Antonacci, I think. <laughs> Um, their director of communications. Now, if I put my if I put my tinfoil hat on, I have to wonder: have has he done this for the memes, for bigging up the Argo Cargo, just as a way to get a bit of publicity, shall we say, into Star Citizen? If he know. has. If he has, I would say it's then he's. I if he has, I would say he's very good at his job. It, so would I. If he has, mm -hmm. that is a genius level decision. I bought an Argo um, Cargo because it's thirty five dollars on sale right. <laughs> Dude, it's a great ship. It's thirty five dollars on sale right now, and I bought an Argo Cargo this weekend because it's amaze balls. Do you know what you can do with an Argo Cargo? It's, now, it's, what can you do with an Argo Cargo? Multiple things. Number one, it's got a weird glitch in it where it doesn't properly register like damage to it because it's not meant to be a real ship that you fly in combat or whatever. It's a little forklift. So yeah. you can literally... There's a video of that built Argo Cargo Strong. There's a video of where you just like ram anything and like live including there's a video of so so paul from from uh the sh the the captain's table and 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 um what do you call it i forget whatever his his show he literally parked you know how the idris in in the the event the 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 xeno threat the idris like charges up its railgun and then fires he parked in front of if it, you he? park right in front of the rail gun, it's a very Bugs Bunny fucking move where the gun just won't fire. It's like, yeah, I can't. There's an uh... error. And then it just doesn't fire. In addition to that, also, where why the, the ship is awesome for Xenothreat is because it's so small, you can park it in a lot of other ships. So yep. when I went and did Xenothreat for like two, three full runs of the whole Xenothreat on a Saturday with the Soul Citizens. You put an Argo Cargo inside of, in this particular case, a Hammerhead, but you can put it in front of, inside of a C2 or other vehicles. You load up all of the cargo in the C2 or Hammerhead or name your ship, right? And then the quantum sensitive stuff, the stuff that you can't quantum because it'll explode, you throw that in the Argo Cargo inside of the other ship, and because the Argo Cargo isn't quantuming, it doesn't register as quantuming. So for 30 bucks, A, it's a great little ship, and everyone should own it because it's awesome. And B, you get a way to cheese stuff where it's like, I'll throw this inside of the cargo hold of my other ship, and all of this quantum-sensitive materials that'll explode if I quantum, they won't now. It's well, great. Hello. Uh, yeah. Hello. Uh, but yeah, the Argo Cargo's awesome. I've not quite... I've not got up and bought one, but I do think it's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing the... The results. People... Some people got very, very salty over it. 
you know, going over, like, if they're only doing this for the memes, you know, what about my, what about my new skin for my Carrick? At which point I think, fuck your skin for your Carrick. Can I offer a counterpoint? You can. My unit's official motto was, Fortuna Favit Fortibus, which means Forvit Fortune favors the bold. Our unofficial motto, our real motto that we used was, fuck them if they can't take a joke. Exactly. Yeah, I had no, no sympathy for these guys moaning about it, and but it just made, it made me laugh. Mm. Love it. Love it. Got long live the Argo Cargo. I wish you well. You're going to end up going all the way to the final round where you will lose to the MSR. But all of those people out there in the verse that are promoting the Argo Cargo meme, I just want you to know I voted for you every last round. I love you and ain't no shame in coming in second place. That's awesome. You're going to make it to the final four. You've beaten the odds. You've done all of the stuff. You get a special paint job for your forklift. I, I am a huge fan of what you're doing. Keep on trucking. Yep. I think it's great for the Argo Cargo to get some love as well. What else is going on, Ben? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. What else is going on? There's a certain wipe I'm coming on in 3.15. Oh, yeah, hint, we've got that hint. wipe. Yeah, we've got a wipe. I think it's a good thing. Um, Yeah, a lot of people are... Yeah, actually, no, I've seen a lot of... I'm surprised how little salt I've seen, actually, about this wipe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think most people seem to be fairly... Okay, there's a wipe coming. It's taken its time. Yeah, I've seen... I have seen some people talk on servers where they're... But does this mean I'm going to lose my credits? Yes, there's a wipe coming. Mm -hmm. What about my ships? Yeah, there's a wipe coming. Mm -hmm. What about the weapons on my ships? There's a wipe coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're going to lose um, your money and your ships, but not the weapons on your ships. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, you're going to lose everything. Deal with it. Apart, You're going to lose everything apart from stuff that is in your hangar in-game. Yeah. Uh, in the, on the RSI <laughs> website. One, my biggest concern about this, though, is... Let's say, sake of argument, I've got some rare armor set that I got because I was a Kickstarter starter backer. Nope. That counts as something that you own because... That's separate. Yes. No, I'm going to get that. That's fine. But what happens if I get downed? Let's say we're, you know, Kai and I are you know, shooting each other in some base. Mm -hmm. you know, Kai then shoots me, kills me, teabags my corpse. Absolutely. Um, drags me off into a corner and then strips me naked. 100% on brand. And... What's going to happen to this super rare cargo, not cargo, what's going to happen to this super rare armor or skin for my gun or whatever that I'm I glad got that you asked. I'm glad that you asked. CIG has already answered. What will happen is I will have your shit now. It's mine. And then eventually I will die. And when I die, I can't insure it. I don't get it back because it's not mine because I paid for it. It's mine because I stole it. So what will happen is it'll get returned as stolen property. They're going to put an in-universe store somewhere, whether it's one of them on Orison or, or 50 of them on Orison and Olisar and, 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 and this place and that place and Erebus port and yada, yada, yada. There will be locations where you go to and someone will have a box and it'll say, 
Oh, Mr. Edelweiss, I'm so glad you came in. We have this lost and found return notice with your name on it. This gun and armor were, they belong to you. And then you'll get is your shit back. Is that going to be if you die at any point? Or is it like yes. at the moment in game, you know, if I die and I'm holding a gun, then I've lost that gun. But I've got all the other guns. Is it going to be like that? Or is it going to be, sorry, Kai, you died. And we don't care that it was sitting in the inventory in your bedroom in Port Olisar. You died. Therefore, you've lost those things that were Ben's. I, I, dude, I don't know. The game is still three plus years from yeah. coming out, but they've said that you're going to get your <laughs> shit back if you paid real dollars for it. Is the point? Oh yeah, I mean, I just yeah. So long as there's a way of getting our shit back, and there's a way of yeah, preferably without doing a character reset, because that's what people are thinking. Is they think that we're going to get a, no. they think we're going to need a character reset, and no. people are like, no, please no. No, CIG's already said no. Um, Does anybody have other... any feels with regard to this wipe? I'm okay with it for all of the reasons I stated. Is anyone not okay with it? I'm completely okay with it. Yeah. I, I don't have any issues with it. It's in development. You have to do things like this from time to time for stuff that's in development. And Oh, hey, by the way, they're instituting an entirely new way of doing the things. Of course they're going to do a wipe so that they don't have a nightmare of bad data getting put yeah. into it, creating a new set of bugs on top of whatever bugs they're going to have from it's a new database doing stuff. So, yeah, take take the quote-unquote easy way out. It's not like anybody's losing anything quote-unquote important or irreplaceable. Uh, just play the game, do the stuff, get the healthy UEC again, buy the things you want, and carry on with life. I mean, it... it from what I've been able to gather, it's not that hard to get cash in the game. Nope. There, there'll be so many more wipes as well. There will be multiple more ones, and they, they've indicated that. And that's the thing. If you are the kind of person that this is going to ruin your whole day, you shouldn't be playing a, an alpha. You should just play polished games. Congratulations, you paid your $40. You have your space saved on the best game that will ever exist in four to five years when it's done. Right now, if you're willing to test with an open heart and an honest mind and give good feedback, great. If you're going to get salty and cunty, then go play another game. It's okay. You can come back to this one when it's ready. Does anybody have anything else on, on Star Citizen before we move to the last thing? Because we got to close it out soon. I, Sue's got to go yeah, soon. I do, I do think that they're possibly borrowing problems um, in an attempt to appease the community. One thing that they have said is <coughs> they recognize the fact that we've all been working hard at Xenofret or Talk Like a Pirate and things, and they want to find some way to make sure we get the... They, they're, they're, they're looking into ways of getting the rewards from that into 315. Let me make a counterpoint real quick so we can move on. Yep. I disagree with you, and here's why. Oh, no, they've said they, that. No, he's, no, he's no, not... no, listen, listen to what I'm disagreeing with. Okay. The problem that they have right now is that 9 million fucking people out there have 800 guns, 400 hats, 300 <laughs> pairs of shoes, 600 pairs of pants each, and 50 different ships to go with it. If they just do a full wipe and clean everything off, and then go back and say, hey... Just pull up the last round of Xenothreat and give me a dollar amount of what everybody earned. That's just one table, one column 
in a data table that they move over. That's so much easier than do to do than dealing with 400 guns, 900 hats, 800 bullets, 300 silencers. It's just here we're giving you this because we're being PR conscious and nice. And here we 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 want to try to do a little, give you a little bit of sugar with your medicine. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think it's good. I think it's beautiful. Whatever. That's my my opinion. Completely agree. I just think they're potentially borrowing problems. Maybe, maybe not. It if they do it, they know enough that they're they know they can do it. If they don't, yeah. then they don't. All right. Anybody else on Star Citizen before we move on to Tharsis? Because we can close the show out because it's gone on way too long. All right, here comes Tharsis. This is a game. Well, I'll tell you after. Hold on. Transmission arrived from Mars. Is this what we're searching for? Publisher says that this game is a turn-based survival strategy game with dice and cannibalism. And that's 100% true. You're trying to help a team of four astronauts on a mission to Mars who unfortunately have a series of disasters every single turn on their spaceship. Your task is to put out fires, restore electricity, and patch holes in critical life support systems, all while battling fatigue and mistake-inducing stress. To solve these crises, you have to roll a set of dice up to a certain value amount. For example, to fix a problem in the navigation module, you might have to roll a cumulative sum of 15. Each of your astronauts has a certain number of dice they can roll each turn. After each action the astronaut takes, he loses one of his dice, making fixing problems gradually more difficult each turn. On top of that, there are often traps that will catch you if you roll a certain dice number. For example, in one module, rolling a 2 might trap that dice in stasis so you can't re-roll it for a higher number. Rolling a three might cause injury to your astronaut, and rolling four might cause your dice to get sucked out into the void, losing it for the rest of the turn. These traps really add a layer of strategy into what you're trying to do. Will you send a high dice rolling astronaut in, knowing that there's a greater likelihood to get the necessary count to resolve the problem, but at the same time exposing them to damage or losing their dice, or will you send in a low roller, trying to just get the bare minimum? There are also several other game mechanics, like how to gain more dice, how to restore health, how to fix hull damage, and so forth. But the game has a wonderfully helpful tutorial that explains everything and also lays out the story. So yes, this is Space Yahtzee with high stakes, but it's terrific and fully engaging. It's a quick playthrough for each game. I completely won the post-tutorial easy mode game in about an hour and a half. All four of my astronauts made it to Mars, and I received one of many unlockables for my efforts. From there, the game opens up, and you can choose specific missions, such as survive five turns with only one astronaut, or survive five turns while you can't repair the hull, and so forth. These missions are fun. I tried one and beat it, and then got crushed on the second. Or you can try the game again on a harder difficulty level, such as normal or hard mode, 
and mix in different astronauts that you've unlocked with different native abilities. In my normal mode runs, I got absolutely destroyed in the main game, making me think my initial flawless victory on easy must have been a fluke. I can't even imagine how hard the hard mode must be. So is this a strategy game, or is it like Candyland where everything is completely up to chance? It's really both. You feel like your choices make a difference, even though the outcome each turn are up to the roll of the dice. But it's definitely possible to do a better job than others, depending on what choices you make. Other reviewers criticized this game for the extreme difficulty and the reliance on chance. For me, it didn't bother me. I thought it was intriguing and sort of stress-inducing to never know exactly how my well-laid plans might turn out. If you like traditional board games or have a fondness for Yahtzee or enjoy just a good roll of the dice, this game really dresses it up and makes it something compelling. All right. So, yeah, that is Tharsis. Just real quick to sort of sum it up, you can buy that game for free, so you can buy it for $0.00 right now on the Epic Store. It's a single-player, dice-based strategy game where you're the mission commander of a ship that has a mission to Mars that very shortly after takeoff hits a micrometeor and leads to a cascade failure of really sort of shit decisions that come up and the you decide and try this, try that, try whatever. Then random dice get rolled to decide the outcome of it. Did it succeed? Did it not? And it goes dark as fuck to the point of deciding I've got four people on this crew and we're going to have to kill this dude and eat him. We're going to cannibalize him so that three of us get there because we don't have nutrition, enough nutrition to make it. Crazy fucking game. Yahtzee with cannibalism in space. It's sounding a bit like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. Very much. With dice, dice rolls for what you, uh, where you're going. Very much. So no two... Scenarios are the same in addition to that. So you load through the tutorial and play it. And then after that, there's like 20, 30 different scenarios. Each of them take maybe an hour and a half for you to play. You're the commander. It's a single player game. You roll dice. It's randomizes it. So no two outcomes are ever the same. You can play two separate. Yeah. You can play the same mission twice back to back. In one, your dice are feeling you and they fucking come through for you. And easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. You make it to Mars with everybody alive. In the other one, the dice just fuck you like the IRS. And you're just screwed no matter what you do. There's no whatever. But part of it is in making those rough decisions. Part of the like the beauty of it is like it's a Kobayashi Maru of like Ugh. and like can you still make it there? Even if it's only with you know, two of your people alive, and that means that they ate the other two. Like, can you make it? Can you succeed the mission? You know, there's that whole mission first, people always, but like sometimes mission first and who makes it makes it. Shit happens when you party naked. It's rough. But um, Wolf and I already gave our opinions on this. I really want to hear... Ben's opinion, it's, it's, for, so for the record, for those listening, Suv had to fuck off, he, it's past his bedtime, but Ben is still here with us, and like, it's, 
It's $0 on the Epic Store. I think you can afford $0. Now, whether or not you want to try it, whether or not you want to spend an hour of your time trying it, that's up to you. What do you think based on, you know, the video? I mean, I, I, well, I I only got told to start listening to the video about halfway through. So for Um, the record, let me just state this so there's never been any misunderstanding. You should probably listen to all of the videos we play from every show starting now. Yeah. We're going to have to teach you how to use voice meter banana. Because then you can stream them to us. I mean, you could literally, you're muted, so you could literally just watch the video on YouTube or, or, or Twitch. Your choice. We're going to teach you how to use voice meter banana. No, you're not going to teach me how to use <laughs> any more tech. You're going to learn how to fucking unmute and watch it on YouTube. But having said that, I've explained to you what the game is about. Yeah. Tell me in, your thoughts. In, the, the idea of a, a choose-your-own-adventure, don't have any problems with that. Using dice to do that sounds good, makes sense. Yeah, I might, I might give it a cha- chance in my copious spare time. Um... The only problem is, you know, basically in my copious spare time when I've got 10 minutes to do nothing, as it were, I'll fire up RimWorld usually. Because um, that, that RimWorld's kind of my, my go-to. I've got 10 minutes or 15 minutes just to chill out. But this does seem like it could fall into that kind of idea. Roughly how long does it take to do one mission? An hour to an hour and a half. Oof. Okay. But it's a board game. You could probably save it at any point. Yeah, but I bet you it's one of these kind of things that if you you do it and then you come back a day or two later, you're like, where the fuck was I? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's a very clear... I don't know. I might be wrong, but I'd have thought, you know, I'd have... Usually with these story things, I do like... I like to try and do it in one session. Because uh, otherwise, I just get lost as where I'm, what I'm doing. I mean, to me, that this game looks like an absolute nightmare. Like it, it's obviously set up. Hey, you have the end goal. You're trying to get to Mars. Oh, by the way, the game is is overtly trying to kill you because, well, your spaceship got hit by a micrometeoroid and everything's yeah. falling the fuck apart around you. True. It looks to me, by the way that the game is built from from the this trailer, every Every turn exists in its own sort of microcosm, and then what happens happens, and then the game says, okay, this happened, this next thing that was good happened, this next thing that was bad was happened, and start your rolls from there. Like, it, it looks like you could just, you know, pick it up and put it down in, in short stints and whatnot. I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I guess... This I mean, looks anxiety-inducing. <laughs> Like things like FTL, I like to try and go, you know, from the beginning to where I stop. Um, in F in faster than light, and if I finish faster than light, great. If I die, so be it. You know, it's like that kind of roguelite idea that I I quite like in that kind of game, and I'll just play it until I'm dead. And if I if I lose, it's not a big deal. Um. Well, I mean, so, if you roll poorly, you'll lose pretty quick in this oh, one. Yeah. Which is another thing where it would just irritate the hell out of me. Like, it would, it would be awesome. It's like, okay, I'm rolling like a boss right now, and then all of a sudden, the Shit dice happens. hate me. 
Like, yeah. hmm? oh, that's 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 one of the big re- the big things of hey, we're gonna we're gonna get together and go to this person's house. We're gonna play this board game and whatnot. It's just like. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest here, though, for a second. The fact of the matter is, that's very realistic. That's what life is like in video games, mostly. You know, in in Star Citizen, in Elite Dangerous, in No Man's Sky, in New World, in most video games, the point is to make the right decisions and have good skill, and by that, you'll be okay. The reality of space right now, at this stage in our development of interplanetary travel, the reality is, A, you need to make the right decisions just to have a chance. And then B, you're rolling the dice and praying that Lady Luck is in your favor. Because you can make all of the right decisions and still be fucked. That's a good point. I wonder what Jared Isaacman would say about that today. (laughs) He would say that the dice came up really well for him. I bet. I bet you would also say, you know, they prepared the shit out of it and they loaded those dice as well as they could. Oh, of course. But that I mean, that's the point. You have to make the right decisions to have a shot. But then making the right decisions, if Jared, uh, the commander of Inspiration 4 crew that just landed safely not even 24 hours ago yesterday, um, yep. if they had hit micrometeorites, they would oh, have died horribly that. in space, regardless of what they tried to do and plan for and whatever. That's the point think, that I'm making. The point that I'm making is yeah. you plan for the best because you know that no, space wants to kill you. You plan no, for no, the you plan, I'm saying you plan as best you can because you know that space wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. But then you still, once you go up, you're literally sitting in a U-Haul container on top of... 10,000 pounds of explosives and hoping shit works out. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was Crew 2 where they realized with about 10 minutes just before the crew were going to bed that there was going to be a, some kind of debris approach them about 400 meters away. And they got a call where Mission Control called them and said... Throw on your gear now. You could depressurize at any given moment, which is the nice way of saying, theoretically, you could depressurize or you could just instantly be killed. Yeah. Like, and, and you don't have to say it because the crew, too, were professional astronauts. They knew. And it was a matter of they went from being dead asleep to wake up and get your shit ready to roll in 90 seconds and then brace for impact. And when the CPA, the closest point of approach, passed and they got the call, everyone, whether you're talking about the two guys that were up there or the 50 men and women that were down on the ground, let out a sigh of relief that, oh, yeah, you're not going to die horribly right now. Good. Emphasis on right now. Emphasis on right now. 
Yeah, because yeah. there's no way to say what's going to happen in an hour. But so, I just want to get your con your your feelings on the concept as a free game on the Epic Store, a single player Yahtzee like completely random chance. But like it's random if you make the right decisions. If you make the wrong decisions, you're guaranteed to be fucked. Uh, and there's multiple different missions and all kinds of stuff. What do you think? Do you think free is something you could afford right now? I think free free seems reasonable. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm looking for that. Epic Game Store. I I said that in a way like Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> all right. I think we're done for the night. We're wrapping shit up. Um, I want to say on behalf of the crew, we love you. I hope you've had a good time, and uh, yeah, we're out. Uh, anybody have anything they need to say? Beautiful. All right, let's uh, let's play this out and close this shit.